I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks podcast. I'm one of your four hosts this evening. We're, we're down a hunk. I am Ryan Reed. We have a, uh, a few other hunks on the line here tonight, and we're going to start with Mr. Nick Beasler. Good evening. Good evening, Good Nick. February. Hi, Nick. Yeah, it's, uh, we're in February. Where, where are we at? Mid-February? We're uh... Mid-February. We're getting there, man. We're, we're going to be this. It's going to be springtime before we know it. It's almost time to start throwing gliders. <laughs> little foreshadowing. little foreshadowing of what we have in store for tonight. We also have on the line Mr. Tom Bonetta. Real quick, I got to do housekeeping. I got lit up. Uh, I said five by five last week on the walleye on Lake Erie. It's apparently six by six. It was, I swear 15 minutes after that episode posted, I was getting lit up. What's <laughs> that? Five by five, six by six? Six fish by mean? six a.m., not five fish by five a.m. Oh, okay. Guys okay. go for six by six a.m. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's only hi. if you're crazy like Andy. Yeah. He gets so on the water. Sorry for being wrong. I just, well, as we've learned, we've all learned that Tom's never wrong. So. Yeah, that was wrong. Always- that's that is wrong. Tom is always wrong. Always wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, good evening, sir. Good to have you. And we yeah. also have Mr. Owen Seaman and Big Big O's Bucktails on the line. What's up, guys? Good evening. Good evening. So we have another guest this week, and I think we're all excited about this one. This is going to be a super fun podcast for us. And I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Tom so he can introduce our guest for tonight. Yeah, so our guest tonight, I forget how I met him. It was maybe five, four or five years ago. I don't know if like the algorithm brought us together on Instagram or if someone told me about his baits or how it went down. But I looked him up at his, I found his gliders and I thought they were awesome. So I had to make me a koi pattern glider, which is like still to this day, one of my favorite baits I own, like a confidence bait. And um, ever since then, I don't know, you're just a cool dude. We've been chatting a lot. He fishes a lot of similar water to what we fish up here in PA. So when I'm having issues in the summer or spring, whatever, I hit him up, ask him how it's going and really good dude. And that's Bo Whittington uh, from West Virginia, Bazooka Baits. Uh, what's up, Bo? Cool. Guys? Thanks for coming, what's man. What's up? Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Guy. Yeah. I try and, I try and hide out a little bit. Hey, he doesn't do many podcasts. He's kind of mysterious, I know. Well, the first one, first one. I I wanted to ask you because I don't, do you do any shows and we'll, we'll get to this question, but do you do any, like, where do you sell your baits? So I do have a website that's uh, it's down at the moment because we're revamping it and going to be adding a lot of stuff coming up. Um, I do a lot of the, the waffle stuff, Facebook stuff, you know, a lot of low key stuff, but I'm going to say this is going to be, this is the year of the bazooka. So everyone needs to be ready over these next couple months. <laughs> All right. So let's so let's let's get started here with some very basic questions. And that is Tom mentioned you're from West Virginia. Where exactly and what and not like, you know, exactly, but where in West Virginia and you know, how did you get started fishing? So I grew up uh, in Buffalo, West Virginia. Recently moved, but lived pretty much my whole life in buffalo so buffalo is a really small town like you know i have graduated with like 70 kids in my class so just super super small place oh yeah 
and uh, my grandfather got me into fishing. He was a carpenter, woodworker. So you can kind of see where that story ends up going. And uh, I lived 15, 20 minutes away from, you know, the river, the Canal River and decent musky water, which I didn't realize as a kid, but eventually found my way into that realm. Okay. So that river, it's 10, 15 minutes away from you. Like, had you heard of muskies when you were fishing with your grandfather or was that something that you learned about later on? So the water that I actually ended up learning how to muskie fish on, I'd fished my whole life. I mean, even as a little kid, we'd go out there and catch, <clears throat> we'd turtle fish and catfish and just fish for whatever we could catch. And I'd always heard about them. And I started getting a fascination about him. My dad's friend, who ended up being the guy that taught me how to musky fish, was always showing me these pictures of these fish he was catching. And then one day I just told him, I was like, I got to do it. I just got to go out there and do it. And we went out in the first trip with my little Black Max Abu Garcia. I hooked about a 45 and lost it. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to <laughs> do now. Yeah, it kind of changes that. things. It, it, oh, it, yeah. the, that adrenaline pump is a little different than any other adrenaline pump, like fishing-wise. Yeah, and it's that funny. fish, I'll, I'll never forget, that fish did things that I've never seen another muskie do. I've never had a fish come up beside the boat. And we were fishing into a canoe. Mind you, when I started muskie fishing, it's kayaks, canoes, that sort of deal. And it's I've never had water. a fish come up and just stare at us, like into my eyes next to the boat for <laughs> five minutes, just looking at us. It was wild. It just, it got me. That's awesome. Bravo on the, uh, the, uh, the Abu Black Max. Yeah. Like everyone's got... had that one, man. Oh, that's yeah. where I got my that's... first muskie on. That reels a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah it is. Absolutely. That's fine. So did you, so, uh, how many different bodies of water nearby, like, could you, could you explore? Was it just that one river or, I mean, let me back up where in West, in West Virginia, are you Northern Southern? Where are you? So if you know at all, like our capital Charleston, sort yeah. of right in the middle. Um, Cause West Virginia is one minutes. of the craziest, West Virginia is one of the craziest shaped States just in yeah. terms of, you know, uh, <laughs> looking at the, uh, actual geography of it it doesn't make any sense you know between how west virginia and virginia and pa and all that shit so are you north or south more more south okay. south of the capital and, you know uh, the best way to do it like if you hold up your middle finger and your thumb like <laughs> right right there that's where i'm at right below okay. the ring finger oh i got yeah. i got a question i got a question about charleston do you spend much time in charleston so I used to work, I used to work in Charleston uh, okay. for a long time. I worked in Charleston. So, yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with Charleston. My company has an office down there and I've spent quite a bit of time. Are you familiar with the, uh, the bar restaurant Adelphia? By any oh chance? yeah. Greek yeah. place. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Good I just, cheesecake. I, oh man, that, that is my jam. I love, I, I have to eat at Adelphia every time I'm in Charleston, man. It is amazing. Oh, I love that's, that's the best drunk food ever. <laughs> explains why ryan reed ends up there <laughs> so so you said you worked in charleston for a long time uh you know our listeners can't can't see you you don't look you know you're not that old so i mean how old are you and what and what do you do or is bait, bait, bait making your you know is that your main is that your main source of income right now so i'm 24 so pretty young yeah um, very 
I uh, right now I'm a full time fishing guide, full time fishing guide, you know, full time bait maker. I can't say part time because that's all I do. And uh, before that, you know, working in Charleston, my previous job, I worked at the National Guard teaching veterans and recovering addicts about aquaculture, aquaponics, you know, raising fish for farming. Before that, I worked at West Virginia State University doing the same thing, uh, setting up aquaculture farms and things like that. Do you have a degree? Do you have any, like, is there, you know, a degree in that? Actually, I don't. So the funny thing is I started in a program right after I got out of high school. And I guess they really liked me. The doctors there really liked me. And I applied for a position I probably wasn't qualified for <laughs> and got into it. And I worked my ass off. And I tell you what, it got me, got me pretty far. That's it was awesome, a great man. gig, great gig right out of high school. And I learned a ton going right into the field. Have you pulled off an aquaculture setup with muskies in it? Um, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, of course, you know, that's, that's something that's definitely always in the works. That was funny. That was one of, I started doing like a little deep dive on our guests before the episodes. And that was one of the things that popped up online. When I Tom just, calls I it like, a deep dive. We I call, call it, it stalking. He call, yeah, it, it, there's a fine line between it, but creeper, <laughs> so, creeper. Yeah. That article popped up and I'm like, I had no idea he was into this stuff. It was, it blew my mind. I did. I had so no li- literally, literally my whole life has been fish. That's yeah. it. Everything. So awesome. Man. Awesome. I, I cool. love that. Really gives you a better better understanding of the kind of dynamics when you're out fishing a system, uh, you know, real world system. You know what? How the fish there's are a lot to it. With the weeds. There's yeah. a lot to it. There's a lot oh, yeah. of science behind it that people just don't think about. Yeah. So, how much do you know about West Virginia's muskie stocking program? I know that it's not it's not the best. I do know that much. Uh, I think everything gets you know overshadowed by the trout. You know, people love love their trout here, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I guide for trout. Boo, trout. He guides I, for, I guide, trout. I guide trout. for trout. <laughs> but I tell you, it's just it's one of those things where people care more about that than muskie. And you know, they've done a pretty good job, but the natural reproduction in some of the lakes and stuff, you, there's a lot of big fish right now. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like eventually there's not gonna be those big fish and there's no smaller fish that's kind of coming up and taking their place. I know the river. Do you think there is natural? Do you think there is natural reproduction down there? There, there definitely is. Uh, Where I grew up, fishing the creeks, I seen it all the time. Uh, Okay, but some of the bigger lakes and stuff, there's definitely not. I was going to say, I know the rivers. Like, if you look at the one of the, I mean, we have the Mon River. It runs from Pennsylvania down into West Virginia, down by you guys. And if you look at like our stalking and PA of the Mon compared to you guys down there, like you guys blow us out of the water. Really? Like, oh, like yeah. more? Crush it. Oh, yeah. Yep. They blow us. I mean, it, it's southern PA. They get good numbers, too. But as you get down, like, you, you get right on that border, crossing into West Virginia, they get crushed compared to us. Like That's, So West Virginia is stocking – so you're saying West Virginia is stocking the Mon heavier in West Virginia than PA stocks in PA. I don't know about as you go further south. Maybe Bo would know better, but I know, like – point marion and down like they get crushed compared to like us like elizabeth like the pittsburgh like we get nothing we get peanuts compared to them 
you have to do you have to factor in a lot of the lake stuff too because yeah, oh yeah yeah lakes, lake's different story i know yeah, I, I live i live a long ways away from the mom yeah <laughs> <laughs> now i right now i live almost on the virginia border so i'm fishing the new and the james river uh-huh. and i mean the virginia is doing a fantastic job uh, with their stocking program i mean there's fish yeah, we, all over the place down there looks like we, fo- we all follow back we had a little technical difficulty there uh we lost ryan ryan's power went out he's sitting in the dark i think he's currently scrambling for a battery to run the video off his phone so he just cost himself a little editing uh we're gonna get right back into it though we were talking about james river stalking i think if i remember correctly yeah so like i said i just recently in the past year uh moved down here close to the james and the new river and it seems like they're doing an excellent job with the stocking and the whole tagging thing they're doing down there. There's a lot of fish in those rivers, more than anywhere I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now do you have a, a boat? Of, a lot of high quality fish too. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Bo, do you have a boat that you fish from, or are you mainly a bank yanker, or what? So uh, I'm a big kayak guy. Uh, okay. I also have a 17 foot jet boat. Uh, it's like a 2020, 2020 gator jet boat. Uh, super cool. And you kind of got to have that on the rivers down here, of course. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I've caught a lot of fish out of just small creeks and a little Coleman crawdad or Pelican pontoon boat. (laughs) So when you're, when you're guiding, you say you're mainly doing trout. So are you doing that in the jet boat? Uh, so we do a lot of, um, uh, you know, we do float trips, so we do drift boats uh, and rafts. Uh, we're going down the Jackson River and Virginia and the James Smallmouth, New and West Virginia for Smallmouth. A uh, lot of lot of float trips. I like Are to you... think that a guy with a jet boat does whatever he wants. It's my general. Pretty opinion. much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> that's uh, up here they're pretty popular on a couple of our rivers because they're kind of like those ones down by you like if you don't have the crawled at or the kayak or the jet boat like you're not getting in them safely it's are are most of the streams that you are fishing like a gravelly bottom yeah so where i'm at now for sure it's all rock i mean it's all rock and i mean it's you know there's class three rapids places on the new there's places bigger than that and so the rafts are really good uh, for doing long 12-mile floats or something like that. You can cover a lot of water. Now, the problem with that is, you know, if you raise fish back or and all the way upstream is not always the most fun thing to do. So that's where the jet comes in handy. But you can take those rafts places. Nobody can get a boat. Right. Well, do you guide for a ser- – do you guide for like a service or do you have your own guide service? So I guide for the, the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia, if you've ever that heard of it. That place is – Oh yeah, I mean the Greenbrier as a golfer, bunker, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yes, and as a golfer, it's it, it really the 
it's one of my favorite golf courses just because it's just That's, such an old, we get that old, a lot. School, old school, like classic, classic golf course. Classic, classic golf course. Oh, you boo me for trial. I'm going to boo you for golf talk. Dude, hey, uh, you can boo me all you want. At least I gave up my golf clubs for my musky sticks. Uh, there you now go. you mentioned the new river. Do you ever have you ever like had somebody that wanted to to musky fish and uh, like bungee jump in the same day? Uh, I don't know if they've done the bridge bridge day in a little while. Uh, it's a pretty cool event when that happens, though. That would be a cool sight to see. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful view over that bridge. Well, Ryan just texted. He needs an invite. So yeah, I know. You guys talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him invited. All right. Okay. Yeah, so Bill, I'm I'm gonna take a few steps back here. You were mentioning how your uh, you said your grandfather or your dad was the carpenter. Yeah, my grandfather. He uh, okay. he was a big carpenter. My dad's super crafty too. Uh, my dad was really busy when I was younger. Uh, they my parents had me when they were twenty twenty one. Oh, wow. So they were working a bunch. So my grandparents took care of us a lot when we were really young. And we'd go there after school almost every day. And we just fish this little creek, just catching little creek chubs and bluegill <laughs> and just just went from there. So what came first for you then? Like the, the musky love or the woodworking love? Were you like building tables before you were building lures or did so it kind of it kind of melded together around the same time you know i was always interested in it and just tinkering around with stuff and of course i was making lures mm -hmm. uh, for bass you know they didn't always start out as being musky baits but as i got into it you know i started making making musky baits like 16 17 and uh started selling around that time too and i think the reason why i started into it is just it seemed like a lot of the gliders that were going around at that time, you know, people would tell you, be like, you know, you got to find like 10 of them and then find the one or two good ones and sell the rest. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about that. that, about that a lot. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's a lot of work. And gliders I seem just... to be a much bigger thing in West Virginia, Virginia area than I think around here, despite it being simple, you know, a lot of guys around here fishing rivers um, I don't know why that is, it, but it seems like like the slow flow, you know, there's a bunch of gliders that seem to do well in West Virginia. That led me to my I had a question coming up after that. Did you create that? You started the bait making thing. Was that kind of like out of necessity for like where you're fishing, like the whole shallow deal? And the yeah, yeah like fishing, you, like you fishing those creeks, mm -hmm. you, you needed a very specific lure. To, to target that and you know my the first one i come out with was the six inch which seems to be one of the most popular and uh you know a lot of the gliders that were going around at the time or you know the shums and everything was just a little big from what i wanted mm -hmm. you know those those creek fish they would eat big bait certain times of the year but more often than not fishing something a little bit smaller is going to get you more attention and the buoyancy thing too, because I noticed like you just, I mean, you brought up a shum right there. I noticed like yours, I mean, you could send a text message like on the hang on your glide baits compared to like a shum, which I think it's has a little faster sink rate. I mean, was that intentional? You made them a little more buoyant or? Yeah, that's definitely intentional. And, uh, you know, it, it works great for the creeks when you're thrown up in a lay down, you can pause it at the end of the lay down and you don't have to worry about getting hung on the cast. And, you know, especially in the wintertime when you can really let it hang for long pauses. 
you know, not everybody wants a bait that does that. And, you know, mm-hmm. personally, I make baits for myself that sink deeper for different applications. But I think you can't please everybody with one bait. And you can't rely on one bait to do everything either. Yeah. You just can't. That's true. Can we uh, pause for a second and talk about Ryan? Over Is Ryan okay? He looks like the Blair Witch Project. He just joined back in. He's <laughs> sitting in the dark. He looks like he's scared for his life. I know the, no, dude, I, the listeners can't see him right now, but it looks Ryan, like Ryan blink twice orbit. if you're okay. Are you, in a van? Are you in the back of a van somewhere? Things got real over here. There's no <laughs> Did you, your house get but, struck by lightning? What happened there? I, I have no idea, man. Everything went dark, and I was just like sitting here in shock that the power went out. Well, you're back, and you're gonna. You, you just cost yourself a little editing. I think we made it pretty smooth, though. We did a damn good job. Of yeah, it only cost that. us maybe five minutes in total. Yeah, uh, not 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 awful. So, anyways, yeah. we're glad we're glad you're okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Back to Bo. Do you yeah, ever do you have any interaction with any of the other West Virginia bait makers when you're getting going? So, um, you know, West Virginia is definitely known having some of the best bait makers and probably the whole world when it comes to muskie i mean i i lived within a couple miles from uh i grew up like i said i grew up in buffalo and if any of you guys have ever fished like a narcan you know steve lanham i lived yeah. 10 minutes from that guy's house okay. like i i made bait in a garage 100 yards away from his house and uh so that that general area you know there's there's just so many good bait makers that it's, it's easy to be overwhelmed by them. And, you know, it honestly, seems like there are, out, it's a lot of gliders. I mean, gliders seem to be the, a, the, I feel like the those, more well-known, you know, from West Virginia, like the Narcan, yeah. stuff like that. There were the, the Hughes, uh, Hughes River, I think, glides. Hughes River and uh, honestly, the, like the godfather of the glide. And I think anybody that knows their history or makes glides could say that Jack Cobb was the godfather. Oh, yeah of making the glide bait and he lived, you know, I fished a lot of his water. He fished a lot of the water that I grew up fishing. Actually, he said that the biggest muskie he'd ever seen was uh, in a, one of the creeks that I grew up fishing. Okay. So see, I, I never, I never knew there too. was that connection between, you know, like the, the West Virginia pioneers bait. Cause we talk on this podcast a lot about how there are so many great bait makers here in Western Pennsylvania but there are lots, it's not gliders necessarily. Like we've had Mark King on and he's a newer bait maker. He's making some really cool gliders, but you know, that's not a West Western Pennsylvania thing, you know, or Northwest Pennsylvania things. West Virginia seems to like dominate that to a degree. Yeah. They seem to be the place for gliders. I'd say we're more trolling baits. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. We're known for the trolling baits. They're known for the gliders. I think. No yeah, question. There's not a there's not a lot of good lakes to troll in West Virginia. I mean, you got you got you know Stonewall and some of your other ones like that. But most of the musky guys that like throwing gliders are fishing these smaller rivers and fishing these small creeks where you know trolling's just it's just not something people do. Man, you brought up tro- Stonewall there. I can't imagine trolling that. I went down there with a buddy. I think you know him, Tanner Tanner Esker. Yeah, down there I've sold time. I've sold him a bunch of stuff. He's a great dude, but I went down there with him this spring and I even said to him, I'm like, I can't imagine how many baits are down on the bottom of this lake with all the stumps and all the, oh my God, trolling would be a nightmare in my head. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's a good place to troll if you know what you I mean. You got to be hitting that cover to catch those fish, yeah. but you got to be ready to lose some of those baits. And I think <laughs> that's why a lot of guys, you know, when it comes to trolling in West Virginia, they're not wanting to throw, you know, bakers or anything super expensive mm-hmm. down into some of that stuff. Right. And you know, we throw a lot of believers seem to be really good trolling baits down here. So how that's did you how did you first get started? building baits period like you're you're 24 what when did you build your very first bait and what was it oh man um i'd say the first first successful bait you know there's a lot of trials that go into it the first successful bait i made was was it was a glider you know and like i was saying it was kind of hard to come by the gliders that i was looking for and you know, people were saying, you got to buy 10, 10 of these certain baits and keep the one or two that run good and sell the others. And, you know, being a 16 year old kid, you know, I was working at an auction house, not making very much money. And I didn't, I couldn't afford 10 of these glide baits. So I was like, well, I can afford some wood. And, you know, my, my grandpa has this shop already. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see what happens. How far away was your grandpa, grandpa's shop? From like the body of water or from my No, house? from like where you live. Like if you were like, hey, I wanted to go to granddad's and build a bait. It may be 10 minutes away. Nice. Okay. Now and that... uh, you... oh, go ahead, Bo. But I was just getting started. Uh, you know, my grandfather, he he liked to fish, but he's one of those Zebco and you know, Bobber Lobber kind of guys. So I was kind of on my own when it came to that. And there wasn't really a lot of stuff online, you know, really helping you along. And it seemed like a lot of these these older guys that I was asking questions to were real secretive. And uh, honestly, uh, a lot, the no musky no one... world seems to yeah. be that way. Yeah, I, I ran into that in a hurry. And uh, I was on my own for a lot of it. I just had to experiment and figure it out for myself. And I'm glad that I did. But I tried now if people have questions to share as much information as I have, because I didn't really, I didn't really get that back then. And was, was, was the glider the first bait that you, I mean, it was the first bait that was successful for you. So was that the first bait that you focused on? And is that really the bait that you still focus on? You know, it's the bait that I focus on as far as selling, because people would just eat up with the glider phase. Uh, When it comes to me personally, I do love throwing a glide, but I got some other stuff and some stuff I don't sell a lot of that a I keep lot of stuff, of course. He's real modest there. He makes damn near everything. He's got the yeah. jigs, the diving rod. He's got the whole spread. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen the whole spread. Oh yeah, I I make rubber baits and uh, like he was talking about the jig. I think if I could only fish one bait for the rest of my life, I would throw one of my jigs, and I'd feel confident anywhere I went with it. Are we talking oh, like a jig, like a big jig? What it's are we? A, it's about a ten about? inch. It's about a ten inch um, a swim jig. I'll tell you Can what; you those look like. So sorry, like they would clean up on lake trout in Erie. I tell you, I've caught some big bass and had walleye come up on them, and just about everything likes to eat those things. Yeah. And that's a testament too. again, to like the water you fish. I mean, that was out of necessity, right? I mean, you're fishing some nasty shit down there. So, so how the jig came about, and I, I can't take credit for inventing the swim jig because the swim jig has been around for forever. Yeah. But I, I do know that, 
you know, a couple years ago when I came out with a swim jig, there wasn't any other musky swim jigs on the market that did what I wanted them to do. You know, you take a big jig like that and the thing is going to weigh three ounces. You, you throw a three ounce bait in the creek and it's gone. You're mm -hmm. not getting it back. So instead of making them out of lead, I poured the head out of resin. So okay. the bay may only weigh a half ounce. Oh. So that's, that's a really slow fall. So you're not worried that. about, yeah, you're not worried about losing this thing. You can throw it out and reel it along like a swimming dog or something like that, but you don't have two treble hooks hanging off the bottom of it. <laughs> that's cool. Do you, do you pour the paddle tails too? Um, I do. I have a mold form. Most of the ones I sell, um, I buy just because doing everything myself sometimes is a little much. Right. But I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but I got I got some other stuff that I pour myself. The big curly tails that I put on the jigs, I pour myself. And some of the paddle tails I do. And I, I definitely can't take credit for all the jig. Uh, my good buddy, Joel Miller, turned me on to fishing. He started fishing the creeks with regular bass jigs. And he was sending me these videos of him just catching just tons and tons of fish and big fish too on these little bass jigs. And I was like, man, I bet if we just upsize it a little bit, it'll make a difference. And he was just on to me and on to me and on to me about it. Finally, I made it and we went out and tested them and we caught like a 40, 42 inch fish in the creek, which is a big creek fish. Yeah. In the first yeah. 10 minutes of fishing, I think it was just blew our minds. Now your the uh, the rubber baits that you that you pour. Where do you get those molds? Do you build the mold? Do you do the molds yourself? I, I do all the mold making stuff myself. Um, I'm a big do it yourself kind of person. I really don't like the idea of paying someone else to do the hard work for me. Are and they the CNC? That, of course. Like is it the is it the CNC like like the metal molds or is it silicone or how do you do? I'm, it? I make them out of silicone. Okay, awesome. All out of silicone. So you got to, you know, make your master and seal it up really good. Pour one side, let it harden and pour the other side and hope that it turns out okay. Cause it doesn't always. <laughs> well, I grew up watching, uh, you know, one of my biggest entrees into the musky world was Larry Dahlberg and watching him uh, in his bait making videos I ordered both his soft bait making kit and his hard bait making kit. I don't know if you, you're you're probably too young to even know. It. Larry oh, Dahlberg. No, I, no, I've, I'll, I'll tell you this. Larry Dahlberg is one of my favorite anglers and lure builders of all time. Me too, man. That guy like, knows more about bait making than probably anybody else on this earth. He is he is single handedly, you know, created my love for not just musky fishing but like saying to yourself hey something just isn't working quite right with this one i can probably do it myself if i make a couple changes and it doesn't have to be you you know while he does do wholesale changes like he he also is a tinkerer you know and he he'll take an, an existing bait and he'll say hey i wanted to do this or i want to add some weight here and that just opened open my my eyes in terms of what you can do in your basement or in your garage or wherever you want to do this stuff and it just it fascinates me i love it man and i i actually sent him a message on on instagram funny and i got like an automatic reply uh you know like we're not here right now and, and like it, and i and i i'd like put a lot of thought and effort into this you know little thing about how 
Larry, I'm sure you don't check this, but you know, I just wanted to let you know, I, you know, I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, he got kicked back to me with, uh, you know, shit auto- automatic spam. It got yeah. spam. <laughs> yeah. so, so that was a, that was a little deflating moment. That's funny. Yeah, that's a, a Larry Dahlberg's kind of one of Owen's man crushes. He's, oh. he's we, we've oh, I'm with you there. I'm with Wiggly you there. He's in it. I've and, and you know I make I make a version of the Wiggly, and you know do that's you? something oh, I don't dude. like talking. I don't like talking about that because that <laughs> bait right there gets. That's it what I want to make, and I've told I've, I think I've talked to both Tom and Nick about that. Like I've sent them the video of of Mr. Wiggly, and I'm like, this is this is what I'd love to build this because you know it's it seems relatively simple, you know, in terms of an a beginner rubber bait. You know, it's you know you don't it, the mold is certainly simple in terms of the grand scheme of things. I mean, some of these molds can get extremely detailed and the wiggly doesn't look like it needs to be extremely detailed. No, the, the wiggly is super effective and it's made to be just simple, you know, simple baits catch fish. And, you know, I got, I got baits behind me that I'm still not released to the public yet. That's way more detailed, but that doesn't mean that, you know, those catch more fish, you know, you got to let the fish tell you, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that, baits can always be made better and that's why i always always tinker with stuff i'm happy with what i have but i wouldn't sell it unless i had really really dialed it in and i always make changes i mean even a couple years ago tom was saying man you know i I really like these baits but it seems like the the hook the back hook gets caught on this flat part on the back and i was like man i've messed with that before yeah 90 degree angle and it kind of and i was like man I've messed with that and I just, it was throwing off the action. And, you know, if someone tells you that there's something you can fix, you got to take it into consideration. And I, I finally figured out a way to around it where it doesn't catch as bad anymore. And I've, I've not gone back since yeah, man, you man. helped me a lot with that one. That's awesome to hear, dude. Cause I, I was like, I'm, I get these baits and I'm like, they're literally perfect, but I like want to give them something. Like, I can't just say, yeah, dude, these are great. Like, don't change. Well, like, I wanted to give you something like, well, no, if they are great, you say they they're were, great, man, but I, if, you know, I mean, Tom's been a huge help to me, you know, with, with making, you know, just tra- testing out the bucktails and whatnot. So I agree. It's, it's, you, you gotta have somebody like that. Well, so you gotta the, have constructive criticism for yeah, sure. Yeah. Now the people that just say they hate them. Well, doesn't help you know, that doesn't help at all you got to give me a reason why well i'm glad yeah. you said that because like you're saying that like you don't want to release something unless it's dialed and i think it's pretty fair to say like your gliders are like as dialed as they come I, now, I take pride in every single one of my baits being you buy it from me and you know how it's going to run before you get it because i i didn't have yeah. that when i was buying baits that's what i told ryan too and i think ryan kind ryan got one of the little minis and he kind of caught on i'm like dude like i know people say like a glider is a glider is a glider but these are different like he put some was that like intentional to get that i mean like the cadence on them is like just the, the consistency is just different than anything i've used like i the only I, thing i compare it to is like a hellhound like I, just, I, and you know a hellhound is like the most consistent glider yeah. ever made almost to the point that it's so consistent that it's like robotic yeah, it's robotic. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't want that, of course, but I wanted a bait that, you know, someone who's never musky fished before. And, you know, I've taken, you know, of course, people out that have never musky fished before. And a glide is a hard thing for somebody to figure out. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that anyone, you know, a kid or, you know, a beginner fisherman, a woman, anyone could go out there and throw one of these baits. And all they have to do is reel it and it's going to do the trick for them. And I, I took a lot, spent a lot of time figuring out how to do that. And, I think I've got it pretty close. 
man it's perfect it's i don't have cool. a lot it's of one. <laughs> I, I, gliders are probably my least confident bait and you were gaining oh, man oh, oh no no man. i'm gaining oh uh, yeah. fishing with tom has given me confidence but i don't have any any bazookas so i can't i you know i can't really actually i did fit tom did give me that koi koi yeah. one to fish for a little bit because that because it was running a lot um higher in the water column and it, you know so i that's what i, I told him say. too you were overworking them just like he said and that that yeah he, he made them so that all you literally have to do is like a quarter revolution of that handle and anything more is going to like throw it off like just like half a turn half a turn half it's a just turn, eat man. nice and nice and easy yep that's what i was impressed when i was throwing toms there when we we're the first uh Canada weekend there. All you had to do was use the the reel. You didn't even have to yeah. use any. That took any me. And then those are action. some of my older baits. Those are some of my older stuff. My new stuff, I think. I think it runs even better. Yeah. I do. I, I have a. I have that mini. I think it's like the four. What is it? The four. The five inch. The fat. The chubby. The five inch. Yeah. The five inch chubbies. Man, oh, they are just on fire right now. Everybody loves those baits. You can't mess it up if you tried. Like you, you could give that bait to someone who's never fished before, and they could make that thing look alive. It's it's unreal. It's it sounds. I, I bet I could snag it on a on a submerged tree and lose it. I, I didn't say they were weedless. Nick you, can, <laughs> Nick, you can do anything you can put your mind to. So, Bo, what would you? I mean, like you, like you, like I said, you got that dialed in. What would you tell the new glider maker about how? I mean, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, but if they're struggling to get their glider to run like consistently, like if it's really no, and that, and that's what I'm here for. Like, if any any bait maker out there wants to to learn more, don't be afraid to message me. You know, I've been known in the past to be bad at answering messages, but if you guys knew what my inbox looked like, I think you might understand a little bit. I'm not one of those imagine. guys that ignores people. But, you know, I've worked, I've worked full time since I graduated high school. You know, this has been a hobby for me. And uh, so I try my best to answer people. I've definitely gotten better about it than I was before. But as far as, you know, new builders go, you definitely, like I was saying before, don't be content. Don't say, okay, that looks good. I'm just going to keep making them like that. Look for ways to make it better. You can always make something better. Don't be afraid to tinker. You know, like the whole Larry Dahlberg conversation, just keep trying, keep trying to make it just a little bit better. And eventually you'll get something that's perfect, for lack of a better term. Are your gliders all wood or are they epoxy? Uh, they're all wood with a, you know, an epoxy coating on them. Uh, they've, they've all been, you know, I make other baits too that are resin, uh, but all my gliders have always been made out of wood. Now, do you stick to like a single type of wood or do you vary it to get, you know, your different sink rates? I've gone back and forth. And if I could choose one wood for lure making in general, uh, cedar is going to be pretty hard to beat. The, the sink rate of cedar is, uh, is really good. And I know people steer away from those softer woods sometimes, but the buoyancy and the action you get out of softer woods is just, it's better than any of those those hardwoods that you get and the hardwoods may be a little bit more durable, but I'll take action over durability almost any time. Dude, your baits are durable too. I mean, that whatever you do with the epoxy is bulletproof. The only issue I saw was like you said before that little, that real sharp bend that would get a little. Yeah, and that's how I fixed that. Like I was yeah. saying, you just, you just got to keep fixing them. 
Other what than kind that, of epoxy I've, I've bashed, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've bashed that thing off of bridges to the point where like I've puckered up. I've been like, oh shit, <laughs> I, just, I ruined it. Like I've been that's, scared. That's what they're for. Yeah, dude, it's fine. It's whatever you do. Go ahead, Owen. What kind of epoxy do you, do you use? In the past, I used um, Envirotex. And okay. uh, that's good stuff. Um, I've had issues with it. For sure, you know, you get a batch of it that who knows how long it's been sitting in the warehouse. Oh, shit. And uh, it'll, it'll, we lose something. I don't think so. Sorry about that. No, my son FaceTimed me and that kind of like threw off the, uh, it shouldn't have changed the recording. It just, <laughs> it just messed with my head. Those gosh darn kids. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, as far as the you know Envirotex goes, it's a good beginner epoxy. Uh, it's definitely fun to play around with, but the uh, the true coat stuff, it's uh it's as good as they say for sure. And you know there's there's more that goes to just mixing epoxy together. There's prepping epoxy, cleaning your baits, wiping down your baits, you know adhesion promoters, denatured alcohol. I mean, it gets a lot into the epoxy, and the epoxy thing is a lot of things people screw up on. I hate I hate epoxy, but I, it, you learned I do it that. a lot and I figured it out. And so okay. the true coat, I mean that the true coat is kind of what it seems when guys really get it tuned in, you guys are finally kind of at the at their final stage of bait making that that true coat is what they they turn they go to. Um, I'm currently doing the KBS uh diamond clear and i'm just i'm i'm having all kinds of issues with it in terms of just a smooth i'm I'm getting better at it it's definitely getting better but just in terms of a real smooth coverage without any type of bubbles or lumps or anything like that so i'm always interested to see how you know what other guys are using and and true coat seems to be hands down the one that works Uh, the diamond coat's really good if you want to spray it um, but as far as dipping it, diamond coat dries really, really hard, which you would think is something that you want. But the problem with hard epoxies like that is that they want to break. And, you know, the Envirotex and the, the True Coat, it dries almost rubbery. Like you can't really tell. But I mean, if you picked up a sheet of it, it's not going to break. It's going to bend. Yeah. And that rubbery gives it some, you know, resiliency. So when you throw it into the water, where you hit a rock, it has some give to it, and it's not going to crack and then peel off. Hmm. That's why I like okay. it at least. Never thought about that. Owen's always picking everybody's brains for what the hell they're doing with their epoxy. Everybody that comes on, he's like, help me. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, boring, mean, it's a boring subject, but it's it so is. Important. It sounds hard. But, but, yeah, here's, yeah. but here's my thing. is that, And I, I know you don't do any, ty- any type of blades or anything, but I'm what I'm painting and what I'm epoxying is is – spinner spinner blades and so bucktail blades and so i have you know i don't have like a a, an end point to grip the bait like you know how how i see all bait makers they they put a screw into the tail end and that is you know then you can epoxy you can drip it and all the all the the drippings come off the nose end which is you know a metal i have this i have this you know little hole at the end of the spinner blades 
and no way, no other way to fasten it when I epoxy it. Does that make sense? It makes yeah. sense. Um, I've done, I've painted some blades and stuff because um, okay. I do make like a, a Bondi style jigging bait too. Okay. Which I haven't sold a lot of, or I haven't sold a lot of to the general public. I got a lot of guys throwing those baits. All right, you got to get and that website up and running because, like, as you're talking, I, I want to look at this do. stuff you're talking I, about. I'm like, holy I've shit, been that sounds him, awesome. Man. I've been pushing them. He yeah. will. Um, as far as the painting the blades go, it's definitely tough. You know, I've done the powder coating stuff, and the powder coating lasts a long time, but to get the super detailed stuff to airbrush. And that's what I like. Um, like, I want to, I want to like be creative with it. And the powder coating you, doesn't seem to like you can, yeah. it's much better if you want to do like single colors, you know, maybe a little bit of stuff. Uh, give me a couple days. Give me a that's couple a, days. I'm, I'll experiment with that a little bit. The thing I, 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 I mean, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It's yeah. just, it's just no, really I, something I like that's been driving me crazy. I like a challenge. I've thought it's been of driving like, me crazy. Make like a nail bed kind of thing, like a bunch of just nails sticking up that. Well, that's how, uh, you know, when guys make eye eyes uh, that they, I guess they have the, you know, a little thing and they, they put the little, you know, eyeball on there and they put epoxy on it and it creates a dome. And then you just continue to create the dome on top of it. Does that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But with a blade. I've done that before too. With a blade, with a blade. I mean, especially like a number 10 blade, you know, Plus, you know, not only do you also want the backside to be epoxied, you know, because I'm 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 painting the the backside of these as well. So, you know, it's it's kind. Of, I mean, I guess theoretically, I could epoxy both sides individually, but even that, I mean, that just that's a fucking there's, there's going to be a seam. There's going to yeah, be a seam. That's a sure. fucking nightmare. So, I, I mean, I'm again, I wasn't looking for answers. I was just kind of like, you know, wanted to pick <laughs> your brain to see if if if. If that thought, because the idea of a different clear coat has always crossed my mind. I mean, I've looked into a Lumalite uh, UV and to see whether like a UV curing would would work. The the UV curing stuff is good. Um, I will say, if you're throwing you know double bladed bucktails, that UV cure seems to be almost a little tacky when okay. it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And you're probably going to have some trouble on startup a little bit from those blades. You know, painted blades already don't really like to spin sometimes. Yeah. And uh, those epoxy blades are going to want to stick to each other a little bit. And that's where the one thing I do like about the KBS is once it is, once you had let that thing finally cure, it's like fucking cement, man. It's like, hard as a know, rock. Yeah. Those things are not going to stick together at all. Like it is, it is so goddamn hard. Now, Bo, you, you're saying your grandpa taught you the woodworking aspect. Like, your paint is, I mean, obviously your gliders sell for good money because of, like, the consistency and how they work. But, like, your paint is just out of this world. Like, did your grandpa teach you that, too? Or was that self-taught? Or how did that go? <laughs> my, my grandfather definitely wasn't uh, artistic in that sort of sense. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I have to get my mom the credit for that one and my dad too my my whole family is super artistic and i've always been pretty good at art growing up i got first in the state when i was in fifth grade drawing doing art for school and that sort of thing so it just kind of branched off from there um i try and be as creative as possible and you know when i look at my baits all i can see are the imperfections 
And yeah. I think that's a perfectionist mindset. And, yeah. you know, I deal with that a lot. I could take every bait any of you guys own and I could tell you where I screwed up on it. Find it but a lot of people, yep. a lot of people will take these baits and say, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I look at it and I'm like, eh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't agree always with you. Your harshest critic. Yeah. You're always, and if you're not, then you're probably not trying to be as good as you can be. Mm-hmm. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. And you started, I mean, not only are you painting the baits and stuff now, I mean, you're, I noticed in a couple of your gliders lately, you're starting to paint the soft tails and like, you're, like you're really going balls. To yeah. That's uh that's pretty cool. Isn't it? Yeah. So when you, <laughs> when you get the ass, it, pretty cool. Yeah. When you, that's massive it's cool. And you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of people painting. Uh, you see people painting soft plastics, of course, but yeah, painting the tails of the glider and stuff was just something I experimented with and, you know, when you buy the paints for these soft plastics, I mean, they'll kill you. I mean, it's just violent. It's a different paint. Just awful stuff. Now, that was Most when I first started. Solvent based. Right? Yeah, they're solvent based, and they're they're terrible. I will tell you this right <laughs> now: there is nothing better than a standard acrylic paint for painting soft plastics. Really? Nothing better. Now, you do have to add some sort of a, like, like a sealer. A solvent sealer, but you know, letting some secrets out of the bag. Regular acrylic paint works fantastic on rubber baits. Okay. Hmm. I just, I noticed that in a few, I, th- I don't know if it was, I think like maybe your heat seeker or something, you posted one and I noticed the tail was painted and I'm like, oh man, he's opening another can of worms here. He's going to have yeah, I'm, for custom tails. And if, if you guys, if you guys seen my Frankenstein box, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff I've come up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've seen the those paddle tails on the jigs. It looks like maybe you paint like a shad yeah. dot and stuff on them. I'll do shad dots and I'll do scales and nothing super creative. But uh, the new baits that I'm working on right now, I actually got my five gallons of plastic in the mail today. Um, it's going to be something else. This new thing I'm working on, I mean, I carved that thing for like seven or eight hours, just carving time. And that's not even including the sanding and fixing everything else up it's going to be it's going to be, be an entirely rubber bait it's going to be an entirely rubber bait yeah but uh it's going to be it's going to be different and it's not going to be this this big curly tail thing that everybody's seen before it's going to be it's going to be cool that's awesome that's exciting i mean it's not just your pain either i mean like I, we talked about this before it's like your components too i mean you, you the first few baits you sent me you're putting like gladiators on them and like upgraded rings like your your attention yeah, well, goes insane to, to buy a bait and, you know, to pay that much for a bait is, uh, you know, I, I hate charging the prices that I do. And I always feel like I'm cheating people, but everybody gets on to me and just tells me to just let people pay what they want for me. Yeah. And, uh, well, if I'm going to, people are going to pay that kind of money for them. I'm not going to put cheap hooks on them. You know, I'm not going to put something on them that I don't trust on a fish. Mm-hmm. And I think what shocked me the most is the first shum that I ever took apart the screw eye in the front of that bait was like a quarter inch long. <laughs> and if you guys have ever seen a quarter inch long screw eye, that is scary. Terrifying, <laughs> yeah. But I, they're but they're still super durable. Yeah. But why not put, you know, an inch and a half screw eye into all the spots and then epoxy over them and you don't run the risk of anything. Plus, right. you know, six X split rings and four X hooks. I mean, maximizing everything because you know, you don't just go out there and catch 20 muskies a day. So you better mm-hmm. be ready when one does eat. 
Yeah. And that's not cheap either. I mean, you're talking like it's not, it's no longer a couple hooks for a dollar. You're talking like a couple dollars a hook at that point. Like, yeah, when, when I buy hooks, it's five or $600 worth of hooks at a time. Yeah. And that's, that's a amazing. lot. Like, that, that doesn't sound bad, but you, you, you know, plus that with grub tails, which aren't cheap, and then split rings and mm. screw eyes. And there's a lot that goes into making a bait. It's not just slapping it together and you're good. Yeah. So what would you, that was another question I had. So, I mean, like I, I, at first I met you on Instagram and like, I knew like your baits were popular, but then like last year, I think it was for whatever reason, I decided to get back on Facebook, that shithole. And I noticed like your baits, like you post them in like one of those bait auction groups. And by the time, like I get the notification, it's sold for like 200 bucks. Like, yeah, I posted I posted some the other day, and I think it was like eleven seconds. My yeah. phone literally crashed; it couldn't it's, handle it. It's insane. Gotta be quicker, Tom. And uh, yeah, and that's that's super cool. I mean, it's it's still surreal to me because, like, like I said, I look at these things. I'm like, I know they work good, but they've mm-hmm. always worked the same. I know they're a little bit prettier now, but <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad that people like them the way they do. And I wish more people had them. And that's my goal over these next few years is all these people asking me how to get them, you know, how to get them, get the website down a little bit better. But even the website, I think it sold out in like 10 minutes. And I had a lot of baits there. And even the, the West Virginia Muskie show I did, I mean, there was an entire line just for my booth. It was a disaster when they opened the doors to that place, people were trying to, I was like keeping people from grabbing baits off the wall. It was, a, it was a mess, but we get that. I'm up glad here. to see that. That's, that's super cool. And uh, I think hopefully that's a, that's a testament to, to how well they work. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like you and the, and Steve there with the Narcans are kind of in the same boat. They're highly sought yeah, they, out because they're, they're effective. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad. And that's why, you know, I'm not going to sell bait. That's not perfect. So that's why I, you know, I may not sell as many baits as some of these other guys were putting out, but the ones I do sell, they're going to be, they're going to be right. Yeah. So what would you tell, that was kind of like where I was going with that question. So, I mean, I think I know what your answer is going to be here, just going off of like the whole perfectionist thing, but like the new guy that's building baits that sees, oh, I can make a glider and sell it for like 250 bucks. What would you tell that new bait maker as far as like his prices? Would you let it occur naturally or would you start? You, you can't, you can't push something that's not there yet you know when i first started selling my baits um i was selling them for 20 bucks a piece some of them not even that and uh i remember going to the the west virginia i think uh, we're losing you bill you hear me all right yeah am i good yep Um, okay we got you now so when I first started making baits, I went to the West Virginia Hunting and Fishing Expo, just, just checking it out. You know, there's not really many musky fishermen there, but mm. there was a guy there who owned a guide service on Cave Run Lake. And uh, he taught me a bunch about musky fishing. Me and him are super close now, Sean Cox. And um, I was showing him these baits, that my, kind of my prototype stuff. You know, I'd caught some fish on it. My buddies caught some fish on it, but it wasn't this big deal like it is now. And uh, I gave him some baits to try out and he took a client out and they had like a 45 inch musky eat it the next day. And I remember him calling me and I was taking care of the aquaponics system. And he says, you don't know this yet, but you're going to be huge someday. And I just kind of laughed it off. But man, he still brings that up in my face. That's, that's awesome. That's going to be nice to hear. 
it's surreal for sure. Yeah. So I had had to step away there for a second, but I was listening and you were talking about, you know, the, you know, just quite honestly, how expensive just quality hardware is for baits, you know, the best split rings, the best hooks, the best, you know, the, the best, you know, end of the line equipment. And, and I, I, with bucktails, I can't agree, you know, more. I mean, it's, you know, having, having a, all of that heavy duty stuff in stock and ready to go is, is a must. Yeah. And it's hard enough to find the stuff right now. I mean, I and I bought blades before and blades are buying just individual blades are really expensive and all that hardware is, is just ridiculous. And yeah, people don't take that are, into consideration the, for sure. The blades are so freaking expensive. It's unbelievable. If you just like went to your regular Jan's Netcraft or lure parts online, I mean, you're paying almost $2 and 50 cents a blade. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's a lot for a blade. It's insane. But I'd be interested you know, to so, see the, uh, I just, a friend of mine told me yesterday, they discontinued the like, it's like the it seems like the musky standard like short shank three aught uh, mustad, like the Leo Mojos and Raptors Suix all use the same hook. Yeah, so I know that's a pretty popular see. hook. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what what all those makers go to as an alternative. What do you put on yours? A short shank, long shank? What mustad? I, I do the the short shank VMC O'Shaughnessy hooks and i really like that o'shaughnessy bend Um, i was a little questionable about it at first because the bend is instead of the normal round bend it's got a angle to it Mm -hmm. Um, but i've had no issues hooking and keeping fish pinned with those hooks and those are the kind of hooks where you lock your drag down and you're not going to bend them out yeah the o'shaughnessy hook is what i've been using on my spinner baits is that 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 gigantic you know the single yeah nine aught uh, yeah. But yeah, it's the O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy like Ben. Heavy, heavy, heavy type of deal, though. I mean, these are like yeah. heavy, they're like four kind of, Yeah, you, four these X, are the kind yeah. that you struggle to cut. Like they're they're beefy, and they come laser sharp out of the package, which I really. Oh, yeah. VMCs are incredible for that. Those things are dangerous. Those gladiators, and they're like VMCs. Oh, I've been poked many a times by those things. <laughs> yeah, there's some gnarly hooks for sure. Sorry, I got my cat. Oh, Tom's horny cat's back. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. (laughs) Hey, I got my horny cat. She's looking for a boyfriend, Bo, if you know anybody. (laughs) Not off the top of my head. She's desperately looking for a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So how much do you get to fish for muskies these days? I mean, so you're, I mean, like we were talking about your baits are selling. Whose question am I answering? Yeah, no, good. Answer Tom's. I was jumping ahead a little bit. Go ahead, Tom. Go for it. Well, all right. Yeah, I was saying, like, I mean, you're selling these baits we know for like crazy money. I mean, why do what you stay like pretty low key, like I was saying earlier? Is that like a matter of like a lack of time or just can't like keep up with like the hundreds of people that actually want them or like? Um, so it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm busy. You know, like I said, I'm a full time guide. We took, 3,000 yeah. people fished in last year, which is a lot. And uh, 
you know, I, I don't love social media. I'm not one of those guys. I try to post more and post more, but it's just not one of those things. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, I'm trying to be better about it, trying to get that website going. Um, it's more or less I want to make lures at my own pace so that I don't hate it. Sure. Because yeah. I've, I've been to that point, and that's not – I don't like being at that point. I want to enjoy what nice. I'm doing. Definitely nice that you have the, the fishing guide – as a supplement so you don't have to rely solely on the, the bait making so you don't get burned yeah out. It, it definitely helps uh being a fishing guide is is not what it's cracked up to be for sure because <laughs> uh, you know you fish all day and you get off work for a day or two or you get out of work and you're like man that's the last thing i want to do is stare at the water some more uh, so you definitely have to find a way to balance that and you wouldn't believe the stories i have of some of the people i've taken out and uh, it's it's entertaining for sure, but it, it can be an exhausting job. I can imagine that much. Do you, so, I mean, do you ever come across the, like, or so I guess when you are musky fishing in those rivers, do you get much bycatch, like uh, walleye, catfish, or anything like that? Um, so fish? the new river, the new river's full of smallmouth. Just, I mean, if you go smallmouth fishing, that it's not uncommon to have a hundred fish a day. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I've had big, not even big smallmouth, little smallmouth and big smallmouth eat a glide bait. And, you know, of course, walleye love eating those big glides, especially in the winter. Uh, there's a lot of big walleye and smallmouth that get caught on that river just by musky fishermen. And, you know, musky fishermen just toss them overboard like, oh, that was just a 28-inch walleye. That's no big deal. Like, <laughs> that was a pretty good fish. <laughs> You were mentioning to me, I don't know if this is too much. You can stop me if this is a secret, but we were talking the one day a little bit. You kind of have a strategy based around the walleye, right, on those rivers? Yeah, so I don't mind talking about it. I don't live on that river anymore. Um, <laughs> Burn it to the ground. Fuck that, Fuck that river. <laughs> so it, it, it seems like um, those rivers I was fishing, those walleye just get holed up when the water gets cold. If you get out there on those, like, I think the best day we ever had there was like 14, 15 degrees out there. And they huddle up into groups in those small rivers. And what we'll do is we'll go to the top of the hole where we kind of know they're at. And we'll take, you know, big Kytex and we'll drop them down to the bottom and we'll jig them until we catch one. And then we'll drop an anchor and then we'll keep fishing. And you wear that school out. And then once you, you know, you don't catch us fish anymore, we keep jigging, jigging, jigging. And now the funny thing with doing that is, is we have caught some giant musky jigging those kytex on the bottom of those rivers in that crystal clear water. And I think my buddy's biggest walleye fishing was 48 incher. Mm -hmm. And we've caught countless, you know, 28 to 30 inch walleye, you know, 40 plus inch musky jigging these small kytex and even these bigger kytex kind of like Bondi style. Man, it's it's an absolute blast on that. Well, and, I think you know there's. I think a lot of that has to do with in in that sense. There there are muskies that you know are sitting on the bottom of pretty much every musky fishery. Those muskies that are most likely inactive, they're negative, so to speak. But everyone says that if you can put a bait right in that fish's face you can get something like that, to, you know, a negative fish to eat. And I look at jigging like that as that type of a thing, like where you are literally putting a bait, you know, a bucktail, a, a fish has to chase a bucktail. Technically a fish really has to chase a glider, 
you know, to a degree, it's got to come and get it. Whereas if you're throwing a jig or something that is getting right down to the bottom, you're almost creating a, like a, a reaction strike more than, you know, a hunger, hunger type of strike. Do you, you think maybe that's why you can catch big muskies on small jigs like that? You're putting it like right in their mouth, so to speak. The, there's definitely uh, a couple ideas that I have with it, and that's definitely one of them, is that you're putting it in a place that all other musky fishermen aren't putting baits because the last thing you want to do with the $200 glider is let it sink to the bottom. Right. You, yeah. Um, and, and I think and it's the trolling. fact that... It, it, trolling, how hard is it to get your bait right to the bottom? I mean, yes, on lakes where it's rocky, you can have baits that'll hit along the bottom, but... I'm sure in the river, you're not trying to troll, uh, you know, a baker or anything at the right at the bottom. That bait's going to be gone. No, and the and the current in these rivers are are pushing like really fast. Trolling is one of those things. It's just it's just not super effective. And I think getting it in front of those fish and throwing something. Don't be afraid to throw small baits for musky. You know, people get into it and they want to throw these giant baits all the time. And there's a time and place where giant baits work. But if you're th- if you go in there and there's five other boats in there fishing that day and they're all throwing musky baits, be the guy that's throwing something different because they're seeing all this stuff. And a really big bait is easy for a fish to come up and look at and see all the flaws. But when something's three or four inches long and it drops right in front of them, you know, people laugh and say, "Why would a musky eat something so small?" But if somebody offered you a skittle or something, it's not going to make you full or anything. But you're not going to say no. Right. Come on. Facebook. Facebook is chock full of muskies that have 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 fallen to the the old crawler crawler on a jig head, yeah. you know, Crappy in a jigs. spillway or some of some sort. And it's like a, you know, 51 by 2023. 20, hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There you oh, go. There he is. All right. Taken, he was taken, but he's back. So I now, but, this, this is an interesting right. thing for me because. I talked to Kevin Goldberg about this at some point, and he refers to this as like the fun size candy bar theory, where it's the exact same thing you just said, but like if you if you think of it like eating a fun size Snickers bar, like you're never going to turn that thing down. Like you're always going to eat that. It's too easy. If it's in your face. You're not right. going like to I'm not going to go out of my way to to to, to track down a, a fun size Snickers bar. The interesting piece to this is like, I feel like there's, and this is going to kind of morph into a question, but I feel like that's an approach that works kind of all year long, like particularly on like really pressured water. And sometimes I feel like it could go the opposite way too. But Bo, have you, have you seen that at all? Like out, out during your fishing, have you seen that throughout the years? There's just like specific times where you're really focusing on those like smaller baits. I think um, when the water gets tough in general, you know, when it gets really, really cold and those fish aren't wanting to move a lot, those cold baits really excel. Uh, A lot of fishing pressure, uh, you know, cold fronts. Anytime the fishing just seems to suck, uh, pick up a smaller bait and you'd be surprised what happens. Um, Especially, like, I love throwing those jigs. And I remember me and my buddy, Joel, we were fishing Woodrum Lake, which is a pretty popular lake in uh, West Virginia. And we were out there kind of prototyping the jig. 
and we were going out there and I think I moved a fish on a glider, but the water is not really great. There's a bunch of musky fishermen out there and no one's doing good. So we just start playing around and crappy fishing a little bit and we're whacking them, you know, making a couple musky casts here and there. And all of a sudden we look down and there was a 45 inch musky just sitting under a log and Joel picks up this jig and drops it right in front of his face. And it kind of sinks down. He said, man, I swear I just seen a muskie there. He goes up into the first turn of the eight and this fish comes unglued on it. And we stuck a 45 inch muskie on one of these jigs. Well, we proceeded to fish the rest of the day. And anytime we caught a lot of crappie off of a, a brush pile, we throw a jig in there. And I think we caught three or four muskie over 40 inches. And we weren't even trying that day. Weren't even trying. And nobody else in the lake throwing the big stuff they were supposed to be throwing or doing any good. So don't be afraid to throw something that's smaller or more subtle uh, any time of the year. Now, when you're seems throwing to be those a jigs, are you, are you fishing them with a leader and, and like a full-blown kind of like, you know, bite, some sort of bite leader? Or uh, I'm just throwing them on 80-pound fluoro. Uh, you know, uh, Joel, the guy that taught me <laughs> all about the jigs, he's throwing them on sometimes 20, 30, 50-pound mono. He's a little braver than I am. Uh, on his bass rig i throw you know a, my bass swim bait rod with like a 300 size reel on it i'm still throwing 80 pound braid to an 80 pound leader and i haven't seen you know any real difference in it and that's when i'm throwing the bigger jig if i drop down and i'm throwing you know a bass size jig which is still an effective weight especially in the creeks when these fish aren't really moving for anything you can fish those brush piles really well with the bass jig um, I'll drop down and just throw a heavy flipping setup, you know, 50, 60 pound braid to a 30, 40 pound mono leader, just that little bit of stretch. So you're not breaking those fish off on the hook set. And you can really, especially in those creeks, hit stuff that you'd be afraid to throw a normal bait into. This sounds right now, up around your, Reed's Alley. I mean, this your, sounds like. Sorry, Tom, go ahead. I was saying this sounds like a page out of Ryan Reed's book. I mean, the ultralight setup, the 40-pound leader, the jig in the creek. I'm surprised he's not all over this already. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm over here drooling because this is this is like what I love to do. Like that's that's one of the ways that I love to fish for muskies. And it's it's almost like that bass style setup the with that light sight fishing kind of like skinny like this is this is the stuff that i love and and don't get me wrong i love being out on the boat i love trolling wileys and leos and all that stuff but in the winter like this time of year that's that's and that's why i wanted to ask that question because i feel like that's a tactic that can be used all year long you know it's not just like huskies and winter use that stuff all year long and it'll produce in like different scenarios yeah and, and, and i wouldn't don't don't say that uh you know, jigs are the only thing you can throw in these scenarios because oversized bass crankbaits, especially the KBD 8.0s, I think is what they're called. Those in the creeks are absolutely deadly, especially in the pre-spawn. Um, you know, my buddy Joe would probably wouldn't want me talking about it too much, but he throws a Zoom trick worm and a Senko all the time. And <laughs> I was actually on the phone with him yesterday. He caught two muskies while he's on the phone with me. Throwing a bubblegum zoom trick worm in the creek and whacking fish with them. Whacking fish. He, he raised them on my glide. 
uh, and then threw back in with a trick worm, and they just they can just suck it in so easy that it's just it's too funny. Easy. I had a dr- I literally had a dream the other night about a musky senko, like a fifteen inch long like senko, like the old just stupid tube worm, just nothing to it. I'm like, I wonder if that would work. It definitely works. <laughs> it worked. It, it, I promise. <laughs> I promise it works. I was, just, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I mean, the most iconic bass lore maybe of all time. I mean, I'm not a big bass guy anymore, but I mean, it's hard to beat the Senko. I'm like, why wouldn't well, a muskie like a Senko? I mean, I mean, how many how many bass fishermen have you heard breaking off fish on white spinner baits, three inch Mr. Twisters, mm-hmm. crank baits? It happens all the time. And then you talk to the muskie fishermen that are fishing the same water that day and they're like, well, I haven't had any action. Yep. You're just not throwing right. the right stuff. You're not you're not hitting them in the head with it. Me and Tanner nah. saw that firsthand down Stonewall. We went all day and we hardly saw any fish. And then we get back to the launch and we're talking to all the bass guys down. Yeah, and they're probably like, whacking them on no, two. We crushed them. Yeah, we lost right. five by lunch. Like I'm like, oh my god. That Stonewall is known for that, especially in the springtime. Bass fishermen will go out there and just wear them out on spinner baits and mm-hmm. little bass tubes. <laughs> what were you saying? Oh? Now. Uh, if I were to go, like, if I were to order, you know, a five-inch bait from you, what's your recommendation with regard to a leader? Is it a uh, for the glide baits? Is it a fluoro leader? Is it a a, a wire leader? Six-inch, eight-inch? What is it? So, um, I've thrown my baits on, you know, 120-pound fluoro leaders, even the five-inch, and they still work just fine. You know, that's what I made them for. Although I don't think that's given it its full potential. Um, I make a single strand leader for my five inch baits. That's six, seven inches long, you know, just these little metal leaders with a small snap, just enough to get them to glide the way you want to without, you know, getting them to nosedive with those heavy leaders. Yeah. So it seems like people shy away nowadays from metal leaders. I don't know if if they think the fish are going to be scared of them. But they'll throw a 130-pound floor leader with ball bearings all over it. Yeah, 400-pound snap swivel on the floor. Yeah, right. and this giant bait with six treble hooks on it. Just Yeah, yeah that, if they're going to eat it, they're going to eat it. I don't think right. the leader's going to scare them. I really I think I think that a lot of that's because people can't buy the single strands in the store, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, just buy a roll of it and make they're a so million easy. of them yeah. for yourself. Well, that's, yeah, so that's a, I think a lot of guys aren't are a little nervous to, to build their own stuff like that. I've just... never seen a muskie break a metal leader, but uh, me and my buddy, me and him are best friends. Uh, Logan Hicks, he, me and him fished the creeks growing up. I mean, we learned so much going out there. The only fish I've ever seen cut through a leader was fishing Burnsville Lake. And we were fishing from the bank and he caught a fish on a swimming dog. Middle of January, almost at dark. And his biggest fish ever, you know, we did, we we're bank fishing, didn't have a net, being really stupid, had just fished all day with no luck and decided to try one more spot from the bank. And I jumped in the water after this fish and just grabbed, like reached down to this thing's mouth to hold on to this giant 48 plus inch fish, just getting thrashed <laughs> and holding it there in the water. He runs back to the truck to try and get a net real quick and go to throw it in the net and the thing flops out of the net and cut through like a 130 pound fluoro stealth leader like butter and just swam off and i think it was right after the musky show a month later he went back and found that swimming dog 
laying in the shallows, just torn to shreds. <laughs> and but you don't hear about that coming from a metal leader. You know, if you kink up a metal leader, just put yeah, another one still, on. Just put yeah, another one on. Usually find it kinked in the net. You don't bring it in with the broken off end from it being kinked. Yeah. Well, I noticed that too. Like, I mean, I, when I'm using those gliders, I'll usually, like you said, I'll use the solid wire. And like, like you also said, you buy a spool for, for what, like 10 bucks or something you can make yourself. Yeah, and I have years. three spools of them and I've, I've never gone through a whole. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And what I'll do it usually I go like an inch, like you said, like if you're using a little five inch, you might run like a six inch straight wire, like for general rule of thumb, I'll go like an inch longer than the bait maybe. And I've yeah. never had any issues. And the, the amount you add even extra hang time on those baits by doing something light like that, which yeah, I, is, it shouldn't even be possible for as much as those baits hang as <laughs> they already do. And even on like the little ones, I'll eliminate the snap completely. I'll go like the solid wire. Like if I'm using that five inch chubby, like I, I fucking love that. That's like my favorite glider ever. And I'll use like yeah, a that toy one. Well, no, this is his chubby. It's like a five-inch, I think, magic pattern. It's like the little little mini guy, but it's fat. Um, magic, if I could only throw one collar for the rest of my life, it's that one. No, that's, that's all West Virginia guys. So that should that's be true, your, state that's flag. True. your state flag should be magic. Those, those West Virginia golden trout imitator. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they get whacked. But and, yeah, like, and you know, like, those, those five-inch baits are they're so popular right now. And I think the reason why I started making the, the five-inch glides is because when you would find other five inch glides they just didn't work like a glide bait no. it was more like a like a twitch like they just mm-hmm. looked more like a fluke or something in the water yeah. and i was like i bet i could figure that out and it took some tinkering but once i figured it out i was like that's how a five inch glider should work mm-hmm. and once i came out with those i think that's what set me off in these past you know one or two years and I've had people message my grandma on Facebook. I mean, my parents, <laughs> people, people that I'm friends with that don't even know that I fish, asking if they have these baits for sale. It's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's awesome. And is man. that is that so? You're getting that type of reaction over the glide baits. Do you make anything else? Like, you know. Yeah, we talked about him. No, no, I know that. But no, no, I mean like, I mean like that you that you will be selling. Uh, I make. I make a dive and rise, which I, I call the heat seeker. That is a deadly bait. It is it's a super deadly bait. Now, people in West Virginia, uh, they don't like the dive and rise as much. So I don't know what that's about because I catch a bunch of fish on them. So if they don't want to throw them, then more power to them. I'll, I'll keep them on all the time. Uh, but I know guys up in your area, they seem to really like the dive and rise a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Uh, people in Kentucky throw the dive and rise a lot. I make them in different sizes, a hard tail and soft tail versions. I make a, a sucker bait, which is just a big pool bait that, I mean, if you've ever fished in West Virginia, the James or the new, you know what a sucker bait is. It's just something that these river fish love to eat. And I make the jig. I've sold the jig. It's uh, one of those things that I almost don't want to sell the jig. It works so good. <laughs> and I think people don't have confidence when they buy them because it just doesn't look like much in the water. But if you spend the time throwing them, especially in pressured water, you will be surprised what you see come up on those jigs. Well, that one interests me a lot, honestly. Um, They're sweet too. And I noticed you, you recently, I noticed I was looking at the old ones versus the new ones. You started putting like a little helmet on them to like keep the nose from chipping. Yeah. And uh, I do that too. Um, uh, you know, if you're, if you're fishing rock, 
you know, you want to be getting close to cover because I always say if you're not getting hung up, you're not in the right spot. Yep. And the worst thing about diving rises is that you're going to bang the tip of them off rocks. And once you crack that epoxy and a little bit of water starts getting inside, it'll do some damage on them. Yep. Uh, I want my base to be as durable as possible because, like I said, if people are going to pay the kind of money that they're doing for them, whether I auction them off or whatever, I want these things to last forever. I want you to message me years later and say, you know, this, I've caught 30 fish on this. You know, Joel, he's he's known for not taking care of his baits very well. I think the first time I ever fished with him, I saw him uh, knock his baits out of a block of ice that had been sitting in the boat for the past three months. <laughs> and uh, I've seen him, I mean, just destroy this bait. And he even casted it off one night. Uh fishing in the creek and he took the tip of his rod and was going up and down the creek and ended up somehow hooking into the hook well, with his eyelet tying it on and then catching like two more musky that night on it and this bait's still going strong so I, I try my best to make these things last as long as they can did mr reed just get power back over there i see him sitting yeah, in the look light at that. for the first He's time alive. in an hour and a half power just came back on i, I still nice. hear horny cat so it's been a good <laughs> i've i've been toggling on and off mute over here because she is just going at it i'll leave her on for a little bit you can i've been dealing with this all night as soon as i go to sleep she starts this you need to go to bed. Did, or you get that I thing do. spayed or neutered or what yeah i am but they said you don't want to do it like when they're in the middle of this whole program because it's, it's like, been like three weeks you yeah don't go, i know cats it, don't go into heat for she's three persistent weeks she wants a boyfriend bad that bed is laughing. He's thinking this guy's gonna find. <laughs> oh, it's bad. I sleep with earplugs in now. <laughs> so I have another question, and I don't know if you guys covered this or not. Um, so Bo, you had mentioned that you were doing some guiding. Did did you guys get into that at all? A little bit. Uh, a little bit. I, I, no, that's that a good way to go. Points. Yeah, that's a good way to go because I have some questions about the guiding. I was curious where your prime and, and if you if this is again if this is like too much prying, um, you feel free not to answer. But I was curious, like where you're guiding at. Like if you're, how are people getting a hold of you for trips? Like how you know how's how's all that stuff work? So, I, like I said, I do work through a resort, so there's just a constant influx of people. And you know, the Greenbrier, like I said, if you guys know what the Greenbrier is, it's a pretty high end resort. You know, people oh, yeah. paying five, six hundred dollars a night. So I'm taking a lot of people fishing that have never even held a rod, or if they oh, yeah. do, I'm you know, I'm they, sure it's, it's like a, a like a giggling, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, most of it's fly fishing too. And you know, if anyone has any experience at all, they've gone out west somewhere, and they expect to come here and try fly it's fishing for the first time, and they get humbled pretty quick. Get snagged up in a tree. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how many flies and rods I've gone through with people. I just had a little talk with Bo a couple months ago about the power of the uh, power worm. Right? Oh man, for trout, uh, I'm somewhat I'm somewhat new to the trout fishing game, and uh, that thing right there is is deadly. It's unfair. It should be outlawed. It, it should be illegal for sure. <laughs> Ryan caught on to it this spring. <laughs> When, when, when Ryan's not musky fishing, he's out uh, chasing the truck with the power worms. I think uh, yeah. there's be some truth to that. And I think it had mostly 
it's it's just so easy and i can take my wife with me and she can have you know the experience of catching like 40 50 trout in an afternoon it's a good <laughs> break it's a good yeah. break it gets yeah. you your confidence back after you've been musky fishing for a month and you think you're a shitty fisherman you go i'm on 50 truck trout you're like i'm not that bad yeah now, when you stare at trout every single day for months at a time, it gets yeah, old. you'll lose your mind. Yeah, it gets old. And you know, fly fishing is one of those things that I love, but it's it's a hard thing to teach people. You know, because I've been doing it for a long time, and I have around two hours to teach these people how to do it. That's taken me fifteen years or better to figure out. So it's a hard thing, but it's pretty rewarding in the end. Most of the people I get are pretty cool, and uh, I've so got a lot you- of people on their first fish. So when you, uh, like you get your trips through the Greenbrier or does the Greenbrier refer trips to you? So I get, I get the trips through the Greenbrier. So I work for the Greenbrier Resort. Uh, We got three main guys there and the program has turned around a lot in the past few years. Uh, The people that were there before us kind of just coasted a little bit and just kind of did, you know, some on property stuff. There's a stream running through that that they do. And uh, we got some good, real fishermen in there in these past two years, and we've changed everything. You know, we're doing musky. We're doing smallmouth. We're doing these float trips. We're, we're teaching people how to actually fish, not just playing around in a pond or something. And it's, it's come a long way, and it's just over these next few years, it's just going to grow. It, it's great. I love what I do. Now, are you able so to I, go out on like a combo trip down there? Like, would you be able to trout fish the same waters you're musky fishing down there? Uh, there's one section that's somewhat possible. Um, there are some trout in the new, but they get picked off so fast by the musky yeah. that it's not even, they're it's food. not even fair. Yeah. They're food. <laughs> and, and if you're on that kind of water, I mean, why are you trout fishing? Yeah. I can't imagine booking a trip on the James river and going for trout. That's yeah. And yeah. granted, they, they all know how much I love my trout. I can't even imagine that. Trout, I love a brown trout, but you know, there's there's not many trout that's going to survive on that James River. I can tell you that much. That's <laughs> one of my favorite color patterns there too. I got another question. This one's going to be a really odd one, um, and 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just me wanting to know your opinion on this. So, years back, I was in Charleston, West Virginia, and this there happened to be a chemical spill at one of the plants that was right up. I don't know. It was like 10 miles, maybe outside of Charleston. If you remember that a couple of years back. Yeah. So one of the talking and talking to some of the guys I know down there, they talked about like the elk river and I don't know if that's like Northern West Virginia, or if there's like a run off of the main river that goes through Charleston right there. It's, it's real close to Charleston. The mouth okay. of it runs right into Charleston. Okay, so that's what, that's what I was familiar with, and that's where I thought, you know, we had talked about this. And my question is, like, with that chemical spill, how do you feel things like that affect a f- the fishery, like, in that area? And is that, like, is that an area – that you would consider fishing like that main body of water through Charleston or is that just like one of those types of rivers where here, like here in Pittsburgh, we had like an offshoot, like say even like the Mon at times, like years back, it was just not, you know, it's, it's super healthy now or it's getting a lot cleaner. It's super healthy. And Uh 
in comparison like years to ago like, years ago right that's what i'm yeah. getting at like i feel like that stuff affects the fishery and you know muskies in particular like in that type of a creek system that flows in so to answer your question luckily uh that chemical spill i think that was 2014 2013-ish uh mghm big spill into the elk river which flowed into charleston all the way down to where i was at people couldn't shower for weeks the water smelled like licorice it was the craziest thing and uh it didn't it didn't seem to affect any fish thankfully um i'm not really sure why or how it didn't you know the the elk flows pretty quick so maybe it was just enough dilution to you know keep those fish protected uh the elk right there absolutely full of muskie um the canal in that general area from charleston down to close to the ohio which is towards where i live i live more close to the ohio river um it's not known for muskie fishing uh, however, you know, letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, there's some big old fish that come out of that canal river that people don't fish for. Uh, my, my biggest 52 and a half was caught as a uh, fish coming up the Creek from the river, um, that came up to spawn and then, you know, they leave and go back to the river. So there's gigantic canal river. That's a big that fish. People never see. That's a giant. Yeah. That's a, giant that's a big fish. And it, fish. It was, it was also my first muskie ever. <laughs> what? Yeah, your first muskie ever, and uh, that'll ruin you in a hurry. What'd you catch it on? I caught it a on crawler. A, I, <laughs> it on a, I was I was musky fishing. I was musky <laughs> fishing. I caught it on a Grim Reaper six fifty bulging buck in the walleye color on an Abu Garcia ambassador with a nice. ugly stick rod. Nice fifty five pound braid straight to the bucktail. Ryan just his ears just perked up down there when you said ugly stick. I did. Yeah. He just fell out of his chair, I think. A little bit. Yeah. It was a it was a big fish. And I was, you know, I was right where they should have been. You know, the, the guy that taught me everything about musky fishermen, he put me on that fish. And uh, it was April 14th in one of the main creeks that we fish. Oh wow, April 14th. And April so, 14th. Do you think that's do you think that's a pre-spawn or just post-spawn? That fish was still full of eggs. It was okay. still moving up the creek. Uh, there was ice on the water that morning, and I was throwing a bucktail for who knows what reason. But it worked, and I was just barely creeping that thing along. And I had hooked musky before this. You know, I had hooked four or five musky before this, just couldn't seal the deal. So I kind of knew what I was doing at least a little bit. And we, I had baseball practice. And so we just went out that morning real quick. Went all the way up the creek to where we thought they'd be, you know, headed to spawn, you know, hard, rocky bottom, three foot of water. And we go down through there and it wasn't five minutes. I made a cast. Uh, it was a rock bluff on one side and a lay down on the other. We were flying so fast with the trolling motor in the canoe that I didn't have time to cast it both. So I just cast it down the middle and I'm burning that thing up through there. And it looked like just the smallest little ripple on the surface. And I just kind of felt the line get heavy and I load up on this fish and it just felt like just a wet sack, just <laughs> nothing. And I'm like cranking on this and I'm like, I'm telling my buddy, I'm like, I think I got something. I got something. 
And he's just kind of looking at me like, hey, maybe, maybe. And we get it up to the boat. And this thing didn't even know it was hooked yet. I could just see this bucktail in the corner of its mouth, just spinning, heading towards me. And once this thing saw us and we saw that, all hell broke loose. This thing went nuts and was jumping around. We didn't have a net, of course, because he didn't believe in carrying a net. So it was just a disaster. <laughs> he reaches down in the water, gills this fish, and it rolls. You know how they'll gator roll on you. Oh, yeah. Cut his two fingers down to the bone. Had to go get stitches. Oh, yeah. Somehow got this thing in the boat. I got the worst pictures ever of this giant <laughs> fish. Blood all over the fish from my buddy's fingers. Every time I show someone this picture they think that the we fish is dead stabbed, no that's my buddy's fish. blood yeah my blood <laughs> uh, yeah and uh 52 and a half which was pretty close to the state record at the time probably if i would have kept it it would have been you know real close but uh he asked me if i wanted to keep it and i said you know there's, there's no way i can keep this fish back in 2012 we left that thing go and we never made another cast we just left yeah, and the is that your pb that's my PB for sure. <laughs> That's a gigantic West Virginia fish. You know, I've got some, I've got some big ones. I've got some 48s and stuff like that. But my only 50. And a 50 caught out of a creek like that is oh god, yeah. pretty phenomenal. That's, that's a different crazy. that's different. That's a different type of you know category. I I I look at it sort of. Bo, you said a buzzword there. I don't mean to we're I'm gonna hop off the topic here of uh creek. I think Owen knows where I'm going with this one. Don't talk don't off. talk about the no hitter, Tom. Uh, yeah, I'm hopping off. You don't talk about a no hitter, Tom. You said the word baseball there. And when I did my little <laughs> deep dive slash stalking session earlier, I came upon a story that I want to know if it's true or not, because I was a baseball player. I wasn't quite as good as I hear this story is. Um <laughs> Is it true that you pitched a perfect game with 17 strikeouts in college? That's I, I did throw a perfect game with 17 strikeouts. Did you do um, it on acid? Like Doc were Gallagher? you on steroids or acid or any of the above? Yeah. I wish. <laughs> uh, no, de- definitely not. Um, I was a, I was a pretty good baseball player. I can at least say that much about myself. Uh, wasn't the best hitter. I can say that if I made contact, it was a home run. But if I didn't, it was a strikeout pretty much every time. I think um, you made was, up for it on the mound, though. Yeah, I made up for it on the mound. The mound was I was my comfort my comfort spot. You know, I can I love baseball. Big baseball fan. My brother is a big baseball player. He caught, so he was actually the catcher. I was a pitcher, and um, I missed baseball. Uh, probably could have went a little further than I did, and I tore my rotator cuff. Yep. which uh, you need for baseball yeah, and musky fishing and musky fishing. If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't tried that before, um, I definitely have a soft spot for baseball. Well, I heard now, what's especially, your, what's your especially team on the mound. Living in West Virginia, you're kind of in between a bunch of different in, teams. in between, you know, I, I like the reds um, because that's someone I went and watched a lot and I've seen a lot of pirates game too. But the Pirates aren't really known to be the best uh, best major league team for sure. But I do love like PNC Park and those places. I really like I really like going to those games. I'm glad you brought up the Pirates because I've been kind of waiting to tell this story on the podcast. So you you have watched the Pirates, although you're not a huge fan, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so you know the Felipe Vasquez and that whole saga. Okay, yeah. The nightmare, the the dirtbag. Well, he was Seems- supposed to come fishing with me about two okay. years ago. We we were like, hey, I, 
on Instagram, I followed him. I realized I'm like, oh shit, Felipe Vasquez, this is just a bass, and he looked. Told me where to meet you. I'm there. And then I wake up like a week later to like 50 text messages. At this point, I had told all my friends I bought like a Vasquez jersey, like a nightmare players with <laughs> jersey. I told all my friends. Going all out. With, yeah, I'm like, I'm fishing with the best pitcher on the Pirates. Like, we're going to catch a muskie. And then I wake up to these texts like, hey, check uh, like the local news app on your boy Felipe. And I woke up and my boy Felipe was in jail. And 13 year olds, the pirate, yeah. The pirates no longer had a closer, so I yeah, that would have been a great fishing trip. Would it? That would have been right? something else. I was all pumped up. I'm like, I'm like, dude, like this guy's a beast. Like, yeah, and then I found out he's a total loser, so yeah, get arrested out there on the water with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the FBI exactly. comes out and drags him off. Who's your boat. fishing no, buddy? No, an accomplice. <laughs> so now I have a hundred and twenty dollar fucking jersey hanging in my closet. And I can't you can't wear that at all. Yeah. For a rapist. Plus, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm a little upset about that baseball memory. I've, I've been waiting to tell that little tidbit for a minute. But yeah, that's and I heard there was a crazy story behind that whole the whole baseball. I heard there was like an underground fire that night, and you had reporters like scrambling to find you to cover this story, like. Yeah, that was that was super weird. They were all they, they were upset because that fire went on and they didn't get me on the, the front page the next morning. So it was like a day after. I, I didn't even know it was supposed to be in the paper. Uh, I was pretty modest about it. You know, I think that, yeah, I struck out 17 people, but I think I could have struck out some more. But I don't <laughs> I wouldn't consider that my best game that I've ever pitched. You know, there's been better games, but uh, it's kind of it's funny to say that it was a perfect game, but. That's nothing's the bait maker attitude right there. Yeah, like, nothing's perfect. Well, my pitched a perfect game and it's still not perfect enough. My dad, my dad, I love my dad. But my dad is one of those guys that like I could make the most perfect thing in this whole world and show him, and he would show me all the flaws. All that's wrong like, with eh, him. <laughs> eh. And like, and I and I know I know that's where huh. I got the perfection. I don't from. I don't have any I, idea what you're talking about, Bo. <laughs> yeah, it's uh <laughs> But he he helped me into being the perfectionist I am. I know he means well, but uh, I think it's just that after that game, I remember like just talking to him, like, "All right, so what do you think? You know, the perfect game? That's not too bad, right?" Yeah, well, you only the fourth inning, Bo. You kind of went two for four. So like, what are you doing? I was like, "Man, I was tired from pitching the whole game. What do you mean? What am I doing? That's not my job." All I can think of is James Vanderbeek from Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. That's what that's what it's like. That's what it's like. <laughs> well, that's that whole bait maker mentality, though. You, like I said, you throw the no hitter or the perfect game, and you're like, "How can I make that better?" Just like it's just like the gliders. You, got, you have a perfect glide bait, and you're like, "How can I make my perfect glide bait any better?" Yeah, and it's that's a good mindset to have. It's also a pretty sad life to live, I think. But if you're never <laughs> content with what you're doing, you're just going to strive to be better. Yeah. And and I try to do that with everything in life, you know, trying to be a better guy, being a better fisherman, you know, baseball player at the time. Uh, you're never you're never good enough, you know, and you may you may make a great bait, but there's always things that can be changed. You can always make things better, try and help people. And uh, I think as new bait makers or people that are just out there still into it, just and I know I've preached this 
this whole time, but just always trying to do better. Just tinker, just constantly tinker. And you're going to have a, I have a box of failures, but if you don't have those failures then how do you know that you've made something better? If all you have is this one bait that you think works, then how do you know that there's not something better? So based on what I'm hearing, I'll take all those failures because uh, the perfectionist. You, you do not want them. I promise. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're they're probably a lot better than you're. Uh, you know, you're going to admit there. Uh, I got. I, I I'll send you guys some pictures later. You guys will be baffled at some of the stuff. Well, I know I have probably what like half dozen to a dozen now, and I haven't found one that's not perfect. I beg to differ, but I'm glad you think so. <laughs> I love them all, man. I'll tell you, I, I need to get some of these jigs. Yeah. I told I told Tom, I said, you know, you guys let me on this podcast. I'll give each you guys whatever bait you want. But he was saying that you guys wouldn't take it. But we're not worthy. Well, no, of no, no. It's not, it's no, not that no, we no. take it. It's it's that that's we we actually want to make it clear that that's not a reason why we want people on the podcast. And I mean that. What? Like if, well, if course, we don't want to be the guys not. that are that are like, oh, let's invite, let's invite, you know, all these guys on so they'll send us free baits. Like, no, we want to be like we want to be more. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's 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 thirsty, so to speak. If you're, you know, constantly, you know, asking for baits like, dude, like I would love to throw throw one of your baits, but I'll pay you for them. You know, I don't I don't you know, everyone's trying to make a living, dude. I don't I don't expect free shit from anybody. You know, yeah. everyone's got to make a living that costs some. it costs somebody money. You know, it, it's so I'm I'm all for I'd love to buy a couple of your baits, man. When those hooks are two bucks Just a pop, not, in, though, not better, on Facebook, not on yeah, I was Facebook say, raffle. You better, <laughs> you better turn your notifications on and enter that Facebook auction very fast, or else you're yeah, not getting. I've never, I've never bid on any of those auctions in my life because I know the kind of luck I have, and there's no way I'd ever win anything. So, more power to anybody else that wins those consistently because I don't get it. Right. Yeah, you start start doing the math on those, and you're you're. Uh it's discouraging it's like buying it's, lottery it, lottery tickets yeah, yeah i mean and exactly some of these guys i mean they buy they buy five or six spots and uh i just don't know how some people afford it like it's crazy it's crazy and Me i think either i mean it, it's a cool thing and i hate that that's the only place that i'm really selling them now but i'm getting enough money to upkeep what i'm trying to build here you know like i said i just moved into this new house I had to update some of my equipment because all the other equipment that I had before at the old house was all my grandfather's stuff. And this stuff is old, so old. So I'm just now upkeeping everything, getting everything new. So hopefully new website, new stuff, better baits, more accessibility, which I want everybody out there to be able to have one of my baits. And I haven't had the capacity to do that yet because I make every single one of these myself. Everyone in existence start to finish has only been me and that's a lot that's a lot for any yeah. one person to do and as being a perfectionist like i said i can't just crank these things out because i'll get halfway done with something and then toss it in the trash if it's not the way i want it to go well okay so how many baits are you you know let's say a month and i know you know obviously the, throughout the fishing year you know certain months i would think spring and this time is a, is a busier time but uh, you know, like how many baits are you selling a year 
or making a year? I shouldn't say selling. How many baits are you making a year? So this past year, you know, 2021 was probably my slowest year. Uh, fishing wise, like personally, like not guiding fishing wise, personally and making baits, you know, moving three hours away from where I live was a big change and it was hard. Plus I was working, I was, I was working down here while I was trying to move. So I'd be gone from home for a week at the time, week at a time living in a hotel. And so that slowed me down. Um, on average, you know, I, I crank out a couple hundred baits a year, which, which isn't a ton, but I usually try and have around a hundred baits for sale at the start of the year, you know, at the West Virginia Muskie show and just crank them out whenever I can throughout the rest of the year. You know, I make some stuff for myself, stuff for buddies, and then I sell everything else. I don't, I don't keep a lot of stuff for myself. Usually if I'm not happy with something, that's what goes in my tackle box. Now you said, uh, from makers. you said 2022 is going to be the year of Bozuka. It's what, the year. You got any uh, particular goals for this year? Or? Like I said, I really want to focus on the website because that's the easiest way for people to get stuff. Um, I'd love to be able to do orders for people, but I've gone down that rabbit hole before where you get 40, 50 orders deep and your equipment breaks. And people are always like, oh, you know, just take your time, you know, you know, it's okay if it takes it's a week cool, or two. It's cool, yeah. And, and then yeah. a weekend, they're like, where's my baits at? And I'm like, it's just, it, you get so deep into that rabbit hole that it just, Unneeded it gets bad. It gets bad. So um, I try and take, you know, people who try and get my stuff consistently or message me like, man, I've been trying everywhere to get one of these baits. A lot of times I'll do something custom kind of like hidden you know in the messages i'll message somebody and try and get them stuff and i'm just slowly working up people that haven't got my stuff give them a chance to get something that you know if someone has 15 or 20 of them you know they don't really need another one they might think that they do but i'm trying to get baits to people that don't have them mm. and i've been giving them giving away some to younger musky fishermen and just doing my best to try and make it right is what i feel like but hopefully this upcoming year I get my line of baits out that I want and get that website going and then get in the back stock that I want to do you know, the West Virginia Musky Show and the PA Musky Max, which are the two that I want to do next year. Those are my goals right now. You're not doing Max this year? I'm not doing Max this year, no. Uh, are you going to come up at least to visit, pop in? I, I've never been. Um, it's worth it. Come on, man. Come check it out. Those two, those two or three years. I, I want to go, but I'd be worried that people would be offended of me showing up and not having baits. No, you hang out, and hang I, out at the hang out at the Big O's Bucktail booth. Come, come, come hang out at Big O's Bucktails. Bring, it's, you know, we could we could say right now that there are going to be 20, bring like five baits, 20, 20 bazookas, and and <laughs> that's what that's what's going to be there. That's it, and you know, come hang out for a couple of days, man. Dude, it's it, it really Musky Max is a cool. Cool experience if you bring, because it's if you bring five baits to the musky max, you'll have five guys fist fighting at that door at right. for them. It's it's funny be you the say only that, traffic like to I the big O's bucktails booth. <laughs> I, I've seen I've almost seen that happen. And uh one of my goals for this year and probably going to be projected to next year is I really want to set up a big uh musky bait maker banquet um around Easter and do a lure Easter egg hunt. That's one of these That's things cool. that I'm really trying to get together to where okay. we take this cool. giant field and you take the hooks off of them, of course, 
and I hide a hundred bazookas out there, oh, and everyone God. pays an entry fee. Nice. And then, you know, everybody runs out there and just fights to the death. You're gonna have to their bows. That one. Yeah. That's everybody comes out there in their larping that's, gear. Yeah, that's <laughs> something I'm trying to get set up, and I think it'd be fun. Oh, and I'd love no. to get some other guys in there and have food and all that stuff. So that's one of those things I'm trying to get going as well. People are going to be showing like, up with army tanks and machetes and like battering rams to like try to get to the bazooka oh, first. In the oh, it, it would be it would be a blast seeing all those guys run as fast as they could. Just oh, like those uh, Hunger Games is that what we're <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> That's what it would turn into in a hurry. <laughs> well, it's That's- it's amazing how people line up. I mean, literally line up hours ahead at Muskie Max just to get a you know, a couple of people's baits and, you know, you are absolutely getting to that, that point. And, you know, I think, you know, Musky Max is, is it would be a great, a great place for you. I mean, dude, you should definitely come up and at least like hang out yeah. for, for come up on Saturday and, you know, spend an hour up there to see, get, get a lay of the land. Musky Max for me is, is the show. You know, I don't have any desire in some of those really up north shows, but Muskie Max is the one that I've always wanted to do and come really well prepared, you know, 300 plus baits and have a good time with it. And I, the West Virginia Muskie show, if you guys have never been to that for a one day event, it's unbelievable the amount of talent that's in that building. That's like the Elk and River or something. I think. The Elk River show. Thing. Yeah. In Clendenin. Clendenin. And that's that's the show that humbled me for sure, when, you know, people were asking, is, is this the line for the show or is this the bazooka line? <laughs> it was, I mean, it was outrageous how fast I sold out both those years. And really? I'd love to be able so, to make more stuff for both when, of those shows. When is that show typically? I think it was, it was last week or the week before. Okay. And uh, I didn't get to make it. Like I said, I had COVID and it kind of slowed down the production a little bit, but Hopefully next year I'll get everything straightened away. I got a nice big garage, you know, this big room to work in. So I got a lot more space. I mean, when I first started making baits at 16, 17, I'm still living with my parents. So some of these baits that you guys have probably thrown or seen, I sanded sitting on the edge of my bathtub because it was too (laughs) cold to be out in the workshop and I didn't have any place for the sawdust to go. So I'm sitting on the edge of my bathtub, sanding the baits in the bathtub. I bet that's they awesome. That's what makes this I stuff. I bet great. you got I mean, some of those. Honestly, <laughs> that 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 is exactly why we like having these conversations because that's the type of shit that people don't realize. Like, if you wanted to go out, if you're if you're somebody listening right now and you wanted to make a musky bait, if you w- really wanted to, you could do it. Like, it, all it would take would is you sitting down and doing it. You know, like the there you the are. Club. Yeah, you're ma- yeah. like you know how. <laughs> It doesn't start in the in this grandiose way, you know. It starts at a in a very incremental, you know, at a very basic and incremental, you know, stage. And anyone out there that's listening, all it takes is that first step, and you know, it could it could turn into something. So I, I'm I've I've had a absolute blast talking to you about this stuff, man. I, I think you've been been an amazing source of information and the willingness to talk about your process and just 
you know, everything type of epoxy you use, you know, you've been incredibly open about it. And obviously you're willing to share your knowledge with other people that, you know, if someone wanted to make a, a glide bait, if they just wanted to make their own glide bait, just to go out for themselves, you know, not to, you know, buy it, you know, sell it commercially or anything, you know, if they could reach out to you and say, Hey, Bo, I got, I got some questions about this. It sounds to me like you're the type of guy that would actually listen to it and not just blow it off and say, Oh, this is just some asshole, you know, trying to, trying to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, and, and I've had that, uh, unfortunately I've helped people who will ask me specific questions and then I don't hear from them ever again. And then all of a sudden they start selling something awfully similar to me a month or yeah. two later. And you know, the bait making world's a dog eat dog thing and that's fine. You know, if people want to do that. I'm glad that it's making them more successful. Um, I think you would be cool, but I'm, I'm willing to help anybody <laughs> out there. I'm not going to lie to anybody any question anyone has, I'm willing to be 100% honest. I'll take a video of the whole process. I've got a lot of tips because I've had a lot of failures. And I have I still don't have everything figured out. But I can at least help people from making as many failures as I have. And that's my goal. So have you ever thought about doing any video, uh, like YouTube stuff about your bait making, how-tos? Not, you know, without giving away every little secret. I mean, there are ways to do it with saying, hey, look, this is my creative process, saying how many steps are involved, because the amount of steps are involved and how many times you touch a bait is probably what, 40 to 50, 40 to 50 times you probably touch a bait. It's, it's a lot, you know, and everything I do is pretty much by hand. And, you know, my wife is really pressing on to me about doing a video series yeah. on posting stuff to Instagram and then doing a YouTube thing of like, this is how this works for me. Use it to make what you want. You know, I can't, right. you can't cut a bait out and expect it to work the way mine works. You know, you got to adapt to what you want to your situation, but these are the steps you need to take in order to make it a little bit easier for you. Man, take that momentum and run with it. My girlfriend's on us. Like, she's on me right now. Like, get musky, get the podcast merch printed. Like, when she gets on you about, like, doing that kind of stuff, just be like, yeah, you're right. Like, let's let's do it. You help me out. Oh, and she, let's do it. That's she, she's, she's always on me about promoting this stuff. And she does a much better job than I have at it. And she, you know, she handled all the money for those musky shows for me. And she did a good job. She She's helped a ton. And she's... Luckily, letting me use this, you know, our guest bedroom as this painting booth and uh, just got new painting set up in a couple of days ago and getting the garage set up. And uh, she's definitely a big help. Uh, let the women in your life listen to them. Yeah, I, I can't Absolutely. say that. I can't say that more. They, uh, they're All right, out there so, to help uh, so one more technical question before we get going. And this is just me before we before we're done here. I'm looking behind you there and our listeners can't see that we're on, you know, we're doing this by zoom, but are you doing airbrushing in like an inside enclosed space? And if so, what is your filtration system, your ventilation system? So I know you guys can see me. If you can see back here. Yeah. I'm looking have, at that. Have, it's, it's like a I kind of a setup. Moved. I have everything moved. That is a, um, it's on a fan, a vacuum. So I airbrush into that, flip the switch on. It's got lights. It sucks everything into a double filter. And it has a hose that you hook onto it that you push out the window. If I start doing silicone 
um, sprays or anything that's uh, for soft plastics, anything that's really violent. I try and wear a mask and that sort of thing too. So it's got a whole filter system on there. Um, and it does a good, it does a good job. Is that something that you purchased like that system? Did you, or did you like look up and say, Hey, I'm going to put this together myself. I I've made uh, cheap ones in the past and finally just spent like it's 120 bucks on Amazon to buy one of these things. And as much as I've used it, I can't recommend something like that enough. If you get to that point, I mean, I used to just spray paint into a big cardboard box and that That's was it I'm doing. with a bunch of, bunch of, which a bunch of old towels. Now, if you just, yeah. you got the extra money laying around or you sell a bait for 120 bucks on Facebook or something, turn right around, you know, you put money back into the business, which is what I always try to do and buy you just a little, a little paint booth. And it, it helps, it helps a lot. It keeps your, you know, your health up. I always tell everybody if I make it to like 40, I'm going to be doing really good with the amount of lead right. and stuff I play with. Oh, so dude, my, my, wife, to... my wife came down into the shop the other day and she bitched at me. She was like, you're going to, you're going to be passed out one day when I come down here. Because it's, <laughs> I mean, I got to get some ventilation going in my shop. That's for damn sure. Yeah. My wife's always on me about wearing a mask. Cause I'm always just in the shop, just melting lead and be like, man, that smells a little sweeter today. <laughs> and it's just you, you you definitely and i'm not good about it so it's hard for me to preach it but you really need to wear you know masks and that sort of thing you know you your health's not worth making a couple baits and people always say it can't happen to me but it will happen to you it happens to people all the time well, we've uh, heard it's not we've heard horror stories about dale wiley like burning his hands off pouring lead and stuff oh uh, i've i've gotten lead on my face and I've, oh. you know, seen people, I've seen a guy cut his finger off on a table saw and stuff like that. Uh, you got to be careful, you know, and I've stabbed and hooked and just done some awful stuff to myself too. Nothing super serious, but wear glasses. I mean, that's, that's important. You, you need your eyes to pitch. Well, I got one final one for you too, Bo. I mean, like we, we kind of hit on it already as far as like the bait prices and stuff, but like you do very minimal uh, like legwork as far as like advertising and like like you said your website's kind of like half inactive like it's up sometimes sometimes it's not like what advice would you give that same new bait maker as far as like getting popular because i mean you've whatever the hell you've done has worked and <laughs> it hasn't seemed like traditional i guess it hasn't seemed like like you're not buying ads on instagram you're not so i, I wish and I think I kind of know the answer to it. I wish I knew what I did, but I honestly think I haven't advertised at all. You know, I post on Instagram, post on Facebook. I don't buy ads. You know, I don't advertise anywhere. Uh, it's like I said, it's a hobby for me, or at least it started off as that. And I think if you make a good product, people will promote it for you. If you build it, they'll come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just do it the right way. Don't do it quick and try to make a quick buck. Just do it the right way and it'll get out there. Mm-hmm. And that's just what happened. And it's just, I'm sure if I advertise more, it would be bigger, but I'm lucky enough to have gotten baits into the hands of the right people. And they have just, just blew me up tremendously. That's awesome. That is man. That is um, the really pure story as far as like, not, not, there's a lot of douchebaggery in the modern day musky oh, world. Oh, hell there, yeah, there, man. It's it's and bad. I'm not, I'm not getting any of that, that ego. Guy. I'm not getting yeah. into that ego feeling from you, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like the I am I'm I make I'm making the best. Like, I think we all realize that 
there are a lot of people that make good baits. There are a lot of people that are good fishermen. There are a lot of people that are that can do these things. You know, it's not it's not about being cutthroat. I'm I have to be the best. I have to be the one. Like if you make a good product and you, you know, if you stand behind that product, people are going to more than likely return to that product. And I think you're a good example of that, Bo, that obviously without advertising, without doing all these things, you are consistently selling baits. And, and that means one thing. And that means that people are happy with the baits that they're buying. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're spending this type of money on baits and you're not getting like negative feedback, that's a, that's a big, it's a big deal. You know, that means you're doing something right, man. It's, it's a good thing to see. And one of the biggest things that is nice is that I've sold a lot of baits, but you don't really see them for sale anywhere. And like people right. are reselling them. And I think that's, that's a good sign that people are using them. You know, I don't make these baits to hang on your wall and admire. I want you beating them off rocks. I want you getting them hung up. I want people catching fish on these things. Cause my worst fear would be, you know, I kill over in five to 10 years for some reason. And everybody's, jacking the prices up on my baits, selling them afraid to fish them. And like, I would be much happier people losing them trying to catch fish than having them hung up somewhere. Cause that's, that's right. what I want. And I know they're expensive and uh, people resell them for even crazier prices sometimes, but they're made to catch fish. They're tools. They're not collector's items. And I get down that whole rabbit hole. I have just crazy amount of collector's baits but they're still tools. Like you really want to go out there and use these things because, and what they're meant for. That's what they're designed to be used for. I'm not trying to draw it out any, but you don't seem to let that bother you as much as like we see some other people that get really pissed when they see like a bait of theirs go up for twice the price they're charging. You don't seem to let it really phase you. You're just kind of like, it is what it is. And it's, you know, it's their bait at that point. Um, yeah. Now I've, I've had guys come to come to the West Virginia show and buy 12, 13 baits and a week later resell them um that's bullshit and at the end at the at the end of the day man that's that's their call mm. you know if you don't want people doing that then don't buy it yeah but you know once they pay for it i got what i thought it was worth for it for me yeah they do whatever yeah, they yeah. want it it doesn't that's, affect there's me a good that. yeah that's, that's awesome. a good point that's a good point i mean once it's theirs it's theirs i think a lot of bait makers could take that note down you, I, I don't want to make enemies in this sport and you can't just start calling people out or saying, Oh, this guy copied me or this guy copied me. All right. In the bait maker world, everybody's copying everybody. Mm -hmm. All this right. stuff's already been made. All you can do right. is make things better. All you can do yeah. is make it better. You didn't invent the glide bait. You didn't invent, you know, the top water, uh, any of this stuff. You, I'm, you, you can't, I've, I've gotten can't be beef that guy. from, I've gotten beef from, from a spinner bait guy, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, what do you, like, <laughs> you didn't, you know, nobody, either. I mean, it's just, you know, exactly. Like you, you think, you think that you're the first person to make this bait? No. I mean, it's all about, you know, how you can improve it. And if you're improving it in a way that people want to purchase it and it works, I mean, God bless you. And I like what yeah. you said about you charge the value that you see their worth and then it's up to them, you know, to sell. Yeah. It. I mean, you see and, that with anything, and, you see that. With and even for me, too. like, like I feel like, like I said, I feel like I'm stealing from people half the time. And like, you know, the stuff that I post on the waffle pages and stuff like that, um, that's of course upcharged a little bit just to get mm -hmm. that little bit of extra money because that's just how those pages work. Yeah. I don't sell my baits for that price normally. Um, 
but even then, if it was up to me, I'd be selling these baits for really cheap because that's what I think they're worth. But, you know, everyone tells me that, you know, these other everyone else is selling these baits for this much and they don't work half right. as good or look as good. So I try and take everybody's advice and at least sell for what, you know, market value is for this kind of product right now. But I uh, like I said, I, I only see the flaws in them and uh, <laughs> they're just tools to me. They're, they're all tools to me. I got one one thing to add to this, and uh, this is going to be probably easier for me to say it, but, you know, looking at, and I've told other people this too, you know, looking at the musky community, there's a lot of money in the musky community. Guys want to spend, and they're not afraid to spend, you know, and, and some of it's for the wrong reason, you know, like the, the reselling stuff you guys just talked about. But I've always been an advocate for the bait maker. Like I wanted to build a crankbait just to see what that process looked like, see how long it took, what went into it. And it gave me some idea, not, you know, not the full picture, but it gave me some idea. And the one thing I'll tell you is, you know, with those raffles and things like that, I, I know that it probably it, it probably bothers you to see that them go that, you know, that high at times, but Dude, the thing of it is, is when you're putting out a good product, especially like you, you just got to charge what, you know, what they're worth. And if guys are seeing that well above what you think they're worth, I mean, that's to me, that's like perfectly acceptable because there's, there's going to be guys that are willing to pay that, you know? So it's like, well, like you're saying, if, if I don't, if I don't post it for that price, somebody's going to buy it for 60 right. bucks and resell it for double mm -hmm. when people would have no problem paying, you know, $120 right. in, you know, the, the raffle spots for it, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where I, I think the best of people, and I don't think people are out there to do that sort of thing, but unfortunately, and then, you know, the fishing community, there are, there are those kind of people. Um, but like I said, I let the customer decide what they want. So I'll do a lot of auctions on my, my personal Facebook page, and, you know, I, I put it up there for zero bucks. And if it makes it to $200, that's out of my hands. Right. And I'm just, like I said, I'm just letting people pay what they want for it. It's organic. That's what I said. I mean, uh, you let it seem like you let it all happen really naturally. Like you didn't force it. You weren't posting baits right out of the gate. I want $300 for this bait. Like so we see some people do now. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it just happened. Like you said, I just, I was just here as a hobby and, just getting some good baits in the good people's hands. And then it just blew up. I don't know. It just overnight. That's what it feels like. That's awesome. Modern day success story. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. No, I mean, I've, yeah. I've really, really enjoyed this entire thing, both from learning yeah. how, you know, you're, you're the musky guy. I mean, the, the fishing guiding, uh, how you've gotten into musky bait making and just your humbleness, honestly, with regard to the entire thing, because I, I this business and I think this the world in general and musky fishing uh, at a microcosm is full of opportunist, you know, opportunistic people who if they see a way to make a buck, they're going to try to make a buck. And I can't blame that. I mean, that's 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 the way. I mean, I guess that is capitalism at its very you know finest. Is 
make every dollar you possibly can when you can. But that's not exactly the the philosophy of of I mean, certainly not a philanthropist, but you know, someone who who is more grounded in what they're doing, if that makes sense. That it's not yeah. about it's not about, hey, I can I can squeeze every penny out of what I'm doing. I'm going to do it for what I believe. Right. I mean, because with my my law practice, I mean, holy shit, I could I mean, the shit that people charge for what I do is insane. (laughs) And I and I feel like I I have to give people uh, what I believe is the fair price, not what. You know, the the going price is, but I I don't know, I've really appreciated this talk and, you know, I've uh, I appreciate your I guess your ethical and your ethos with regard to how you run, run your business right now. Well, yeah. I, like I, like I said before, I try and, you know, I believe that if you put good out, you get good in. Yes. And uh, like I said, this next couple of years, I'm trying to make things right. I've known it. I've been known in the past to be bad at answering uh, messages and stuff. And that's not a, it's not a personal thing. It's just, I'm just not a social media guy. I'm just not that person that's always on their phone. I'm just in the shop, just, just doing it for fun. And I have nothing against people. I help people as much as I can, but I got to live my own life too. Like this is, like I said, I want this to stay fun for me. Once it's not fun, then I'll find something else to do. Right. Bo, you're an impressive dude, man. I, I, uh, I got a lot of respect for you just listening to the conversation and uh, you're doing things the right way, you know, and that's, we need more of that. We need more Absolutely. of that in the Muskie community. You know, this is uh I mean, it's just refreshing to be able to sit down, you know, and talk to an up and coming, you know, bait maker, you know, young guy that, that loves, loves the sport, loves the fish, loves bait making, and is just doing things the right way. So got a lot of respect for you, bud. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Absolutely, no, I appreciate man. it. I'm, I'm glad you guys would have uh, some guy like me just showing up and talking to you guys for a little bit. We're some no way, too. man. I just have to now you just have to show up and come visit us at the musky backs. Yeah, you gotta come up to the musky backs. I guess I'll have to do it. I'll bring I'll bring 10 baits and just see what happens. You can they could be used, they could be the rejects, it doesn't matter. People will eat them up. Something I can't I can't sell rejects. Like I said, (laughs) man, it's it's gotta be perfect. Just make a scavenger hunt around the around Musky Max. Hide one. In that, the that's a, oh that's my a fantastic. God. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up in a trench coat with lures <laughs> all inside of it. That's what I'm there gonna do. Go. I like that. That's great. Come up, have a beer with us. That's all. I, now that sounds more like more like fun to me. There you go. Yeah. I, be- well, I believe the Musky Max is BYOB. It Just is. Well, no, no. There's that the, there's that there's that bar joint on 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 uh you know, on site, but you can bring a cooler. So yeah. I think we're going to have a cooler at the, uh, at the, at the, at the big O's bucktails booth. All right. That's the hangout spot then. You're welcome, well, thank man. you very much for coming on, man. I, I like, this has been yeah. an absolute blast. I've, I've really enjoyed this entire thing. We're well over two hours now. And I love that. Like, I like how these things go longer. We could I go like two more. Long- yeah. yeah. I feel I'm, like the I'm longer down. you go, like, <laughs> you know, the more organic it is, you know, like the, the more the conversation is, you know, real. So I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, man. And I, and this will come out next week, next Thursday. 
So uh, I'll be waiting, you know, I'll be anxious for people to listen to this. I, I think people will really like it. That's it's perfect. been great talking to you, man. Yeah, this has been this has been a good time. All right, boys. Yeah. Hunks out. Yeah. I think that's a wrap. Anything else you want to chat about, Bo? Anything you had on your mind you want to talk about? Um, like I said, thank you guys again for letting me on here. Uh, if any, you know, bait makers want to ask me any questions, feel free to message me. Instagram is a little bit better than Facebook because I have thousands of Facebook messages and it's Fuck I got Facebook. my notif- my notif- I hate Facebook. I, I, I usually Facebook. I'll delete I'll delete Facebook for a couple months at a time unless I'm posting baits for sale. <laughs> um, you know, if you message me wanting to order baits, I'm not quite doing that yet. But just keep your eyes open on the Bazooka Baits website because I promise you in the next couple months there's going to be a bunch of stuff from there to choose from. And hopefully I'll see you guys uh Musky Max and absolutely I'll, worth and popping just, up, man. Just keep, just, yeah. Yeah, just just keep yeah, keep everyone's eyes open and just, just be ready for it. Yeah. All right, sounds All good, right. man. Thank you again, Bo. All right, thank, thank you, you guys. Thanks, uh, Take care, awesome. fellas. I had to shake them on my last case, big O don't play. Oh.